When the crowd gets loud, that's a pop. When the actual Wolfman music's hit and the lid blows off the fucking building, that's a monster pop. I'm D Straight, and I'm joined by Dr. Destruction PhD, an actual living doctor, and Twitch All-Star and former indie wrestler Reclaimed Joey. Joey? Hello. What have you been up to, man? How you doing, man? How you doing, man? This has been a crazy week this week uh, for pro wrestling. We got a lot to talk about. There was a, there was quite a few events, man. But what have you been what have you been up to other than wrestling, man? Outside the wrestling world, uh, lots of streaming, lots and lots of streaming. Elden Ring is uh, kind of taking over my stream until Blood Hunt hits this weekend. So it's been nuts. Doctor Destruction, what about you, man? What have you been doing outside of uh, keeping your eyes glued to the ring? Well, you know, it's my eyes have to be glued to the uh, real life ring of politics as my uh, day job requires in some ways. Uh, oftentimes just as violent and just as uh, grating to watch as some of the stuff we see in the ring, to be honest. Oh, dude, way more violent, way more brutal. <laughs> Straight up. There's a fucking war going on, man. All kinds of weird side taking, all kinds of people coming out as this or that. It is a crazy time and it joey sure and i is. on top of all on top of all that had tornado warnings blow through us today yeah I, I i was literally driving home like like driving and i got like a message saying like tornado warning extreme like in all caps and it was like take shelter now pull off to the side of the road find shelter right now and i was like fuck and of course i didn't and then i stopped for like a snack and then i and then i took my time getting home but yeah i uh it was pretty scary. The the we would have started recording a little bit earlier, but the uh, sirens were going off in my town and stuff. But we're fine now. I mean, I hear the the storm is raging outside, but we're good. I think. I think the tornado warning is over. It ended like about half an hour ago. I spent some time in the hall with the dogs and the baby and the wife and the pillows and the blankets and the radio and the whole the whole catastrophe. But nothing doing, man. My instincts didn't really kick in either, and I probably would have gotten a snack. But uh, hey, you know how sometimes. <laughs> know how sometimes there'll be a piece of news that you miss and you think that i'm just the last person in the world to know about this but old news that i didn't know remember the guy who tackled seth rollins you guys heard why why he did that right like yeah he was like just completely marked out and like uh like believed in every all the all the bullshit and said he was doing it on behalf of like um roman reigns stable and shit i think he said he was a fan of finn balor but that was that what it was that was only half of that was only half of what he said. The first thing that he told, um, I think it was New York Post, which is you know an infamous tabloid. The first thing he said was that he had got DMs from someone claiming to be Seth Rollins. You oh, know, those yeah. Yeah, 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 I do remember this. That's not even a meme. Those are real <laughs> yeah. fucking messages that freaking people get. That's insane. Yeah, that's true too. And so it was, you know, Seth Rollins hitting Seth him Rollins up, would, like being they like, him or something. <laughs> Yeah, Seth Rollins saying that he needed him. He needed a wrestling blogger, and and this guy's like, oh, I wanted to work my way up, and then saying like, I need you to buy me gift cards, and uh, I'll give you the cash for him. And so that really gets funny when I start. I start to imagine Seth Rollins like, actually like doing hard that. up, like hard <laughs> up behind the computer, trying to get. He's like, oh, my cards are canceled, man. I can't believe this is happening to me. <laughs> he so he sends like fans messages. Dude, I, need, I do need a blogger. You know, that makes it makes way more sense why Seth's been messaging us lately, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> dude. And the one with CM oh Punk, God. and he's like, he's like, I really need your help beating MJF, so please send me some money so I can get the stuff I need to beat MJF. <laughs> I need to get some gear and some training, and I got to get my diet regimen right, man. This costs money. 
<laughs> Fuck. What do you guys want to get into first today, man? So, yeah. So, I think the biggest thing we were really looking forward to this show, Circle Six. Um, skewered. There was some, yeah, Skewered. Yeah. Circle Six Skewered, the very first show uh, from Circle Six. Um, we were very much looking forward to this and... Uh, in case you couldn't tell from our Twitter, it, yeah, it had some, it had some, uh, some really good points and some absolutely really bad points. We want to talk about them, be honest about them, and uh, and that's that's probably the biggest news of the week so far. <laughs> yeah, you, you know, I I think one of the big stories here, unfortunately, won't be the wrestling. It'll be for those who weren't in the building. And they had a pretty good attendance for the building that they ran. It almost kind of looked like a pavilion, right? Does anybody know anything about that? I'm not sure about it. Everybody on the sh- everybody like that was at the show. They were tweeting out like how much they enjoyed it. They had a lot of fun. The matches were good and stuff like that. Unfortunately for us, so I'll just paint the picture for you. So they decided to uh, put this show on Twitch, which is exciting. Watching wrestling with a with the live Twitch chat is actually a fuck ton of fun. But also so very a, distracting. Yes, it is, I was it is, say it's that, extremely yeah. distracting, but it kind of is making me think about how much fun our Twitch streams are going to be. So make sure you follow us on Twitch, by the way. Uh, quick plug there. Because we're planning on using that for like watch parties and things like that. Um, but watching watching wrestling with a chat is just insane. It's so much fun, like you said, distracting, but it's just really, really cool. It's like something that I've never really experienced before uh especially watching like a live show and stuff like that i know that triple a has done this before as well well i assumed that they had gotten clearance for the content that they were going to show they did have some death matches on the card they had a taipei death match on the card i assumed that they had gotten clearance from twitch because i know that that um the rules work differently when it's sports or pro wrestling and stuff because they have like impact and everything on there so I was like, they probably got clearance. They got affiliated immediately, and they had their sub button and all that stuff before they ever did a stream. So I was like, surely they're just they're working with Twitch, right? So I don't know what happened here, but they ended up getting banned during the uh, broadcast. But before we get to that, uh, we'll talk about the actual show and just what we had to deal with. It was um, an insane amount of technical problems. It was their first show, so... Uh, we're going to be like not so hard on them about it because I'm sure that a lot of this stuff will get worked out, but we're still going to talk about it and uh, maybe they'll listen to this and they'll hear all the things that we had to go through and it'll be valuable feedback for them going forward. So we're sitting down, we start watching the show and immediately the show's late. So they're saying that the sh- that people are get- being let in. They sold way more tickets than than they thought they were going to. Fine. No problem. That's a good problem to have, right? So it's on Twitch. They're not under under a time crunch to have to start. It's not like a pay per view window or anything like that. So that's fine. Um, the sh- they were bring- bringing us a show completely free. So finally, we got the countdown. It was really weird. There was, the, the chat was really weird. I mean, it was it was a lot of people that were excited to see the show, but then you had people that were obviously I don't know if they worked at other companies or. If they were trying, they, like they were, um, like simping for other companies or what have you, I have lots no of idea. ads for other shows. Really weird. There was ads for other shows, and then um, somebody was talking about XPW, and you know what a fucking joke that company's gonna be, <laughs> right? And like, um, if you've seen the freaking uh, ad for their comeback, it's ridiculous. And uh, I was, I, 
I, there was a guy that was like, I was like, XPW is still around. I said that in the chat. And then there was a guy that like did like a full ad read basically to in a response to me about XPW. And I was just like, Jesus Christ. And I was like, yeah, don't worry. We'll review the show. It should be for a good laugh. But it was just a really, really weird situation. But besides that, the uh, the show gets underway finally. The, uh, there's no commentary. The audio is absolutely fucked. And I'm not going to be, I'm not going to lie to you guys. Um, the person that they had for commentary is fine. He did a good job whenever it did it did turn on. But man, I would have been down to watch the show with zero commentary. But you could kind of hear the audio double. Like the um, the frame rate for the hard cam was really low. I don't know what was going on. The uh, the lighting was really weird. The show was really dark. Um, but Very then we weird. yeah, yeah one, one side of the right side of the ring on the hard cam was lit. The left side was not. And if you looked online at people that were just posting videos uh, on Twitter. They were the lighting looked relatively flat compared to what we're seeing on, you know, on Twitch. Got us wondering if they had dropped a LUT or something because live it looked like a normally lit wrestling show, and on Twitch it looked like Mario Baba. If you watch old horror <laughs> movies, had had lit had lit the fucking thing. Yeah, I would have much rather like I know if they were trying to go for some kind of like specific look and feel by like by applying some kind of LUT or something like that. Like I would have rather have watched it more clear and with better lighting mm-hmm. and things like that. It looked really good on people's cell phones. And yeah, it, uh, down Twitch the, there was the, like yeah. a, a green gel over yeah. here and a purple gel over here. The left and, side of the ring wasn't lit. And the actual image quality was actually really, really good. That was actually, I wasn't really impressed with that. It was just the weird lighting and stuff like that. It was just hard to see, make out things that were happening. Um, They, and and, and that might also explain the low frame rate of the cameras because if you apply a LUT and your system can't handle it, you will get like frame drop and things like that. Who knows if that was actually the issue, but I know that that's a thing. Um, Technical issues aside, uh, they just get worse throughout the show, and we'll yeah, get to start, that. Yeah, it starts dropping and yeah. other stuff like that. And I, I really feel like, you know, I was thinking about this at the start of the show when they had the countdown. They really should have, like, tried to test the actual stream to make sure their audio and everything was in order. Yeah, I don't know, like, if they... They could have used, like, a like a burner Twitch account to try some stuff. Um I don't know. I really don't know, like, what they, would, what they did to, to start it. But these indie companies... A lot of them are worth watching these days. Like, there's a lot of great indies out there now. And um, I'm glad the show is free. But, like, GCW, they'll charge you for shows. And their fucking production is just piss poor. But there needs to be some kind of, like, step up in the production of these shows. There really does. Because people are really wet, ready and excited to watch these shows. And... They get there, they're all excited, and it just, the steam just lets out. It doesn't make the company look good. Everybody talks shit about it. They make jokes. They're kind of mean. Some of them make mean comments, and then it's it just really kind of lets the let the, lets the air out of the room, so to speak, uh, when it comes to being excited about these new shows. They might so, have just been a victim of their own ambitions. You know, um, it's hard to sit here and argue. Think small when you're starting out, and. Right. If these ideas maybe wait on them, but maybe run a flat looking show and a straightforward show for your opener and then add on, add on. And I know they wanted to bring in names and things like that. So that probably increased their budget. But 
you got to spend money on your system and your in your uh and the stuff that you're running on and stuff like that even if you have to rent it or whatever like that stuff's so important and uh i think people would have rather seen uh, at least when we were watching would have rather seen lesser names than have the issues that we ended up having so let's take you through what happened and we'll 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 bring in uh, bring up some of the technical issues as we go so i'll uh defer to Mr. EOD here. What was our first match here? Uh, well, before that, we actually had uh, Chris Cran- uh, Chris Van Valet um, as like the ring announcer and like kind of hyping up the crowd for the event and whatnot. He announced all the matches. Um, that felt big was- time. Yeah, that did feel really big time. Mm-hmm. Because I mean, not that Chris Van Valet is, is big time, but he's very well known in the in the in the independent wrestling scene um, and the main rest mainstream. Yeah, I was going to say the main wrestling scene because yeah, his interviews. He's really good. He's professional. He looks good. Is like his his quality is great. Like thumbs up for getting him, and he seemed really excited, enthusiastic about being there. I thought that was great. Thumbs up. Keep bringing him back. Straight up. Yeah, so our first actual match was Christopher Daniels versus uh, Ricky Shane Page. Uh, we get fuck Ohio chance for RSP as a Michigander. I can respect that. Uh, <laughs> also, you got that for pretty much all of the uh, 440 members. Uh, no commentary, as we said. Uh, it didn't work. The hard cam was also really bad, but every other camera they had was good. No idea why. Um, something that were worth looking into. Uh, match was pretty... Uh, pretty solid, but pretty standard fare. There was a pretty good-looking Beal from RSP, uh, a good crossbody for a near fall, and uh, kind of starting the theme for the night, CD eventually uh, just kind of gets a roll-up win um, on RSP, and they just kind of like walk to the back and you know move on to the next match. I am a, I'm a big um, a big fan of RSP. I think he's really awesome, and he's very much overlooked in the wrestling scene. He's big, he can move, and the way he moves looks unique to other people. So when he does a crossbody, it looks like, hey, that's an RSP crossbody. When he does like he does that frog splash off the ropes, he sells well. Like he's very, very good. I don't know why he hasn't been picked up by anywhere, or maybe like it's his look or something. I don't know. But I think he's very good and thumbs up to him. We don't we've already talked about Christopher Daniels before. He's one of the best in the fucking world a veteran this is somebody that rsp should have been working with um i think i'm glad that they put this match together because rsp like could get a lot out of this i think now you talk about rsp's look now he has put on a little bit of weight do you think that's a conscious thing that he's doing or is it just you know kind of coincidental to his wrestling career i don't know i think i mean i don't know and um I know that I, I think it's it's he carries it well. Obviously, he still moves in the ring. He seems to have good wind and stuff like that. Uh, I don't know if it's because he's been he hasn't been booked a whole lot lately, or or like he hasn't been working as much because we haven't seen him on like any GCW shows or anything. Um, I don't know what it is. I don't. I'm not going to pretend to know like what his schedule's been like and stuff like that. But uh, these things can happen. You know, during the pandemic and stuff, a lot of wrestlers ended up gaining weight and uh, all of Impact like all of impact like oh my gosh yeah like it it, and that kind of thing happens um so i don't know we'll see i'll give him the benefit of the doubt here i noticed that he he used to have this drug-free tattoo and he got like a crow that covered it up 
And I guess I, he, he used to be straight edge or maybe he is still straight edge. I don't know. I don't know why else you would cover if it you up. you got I, your drug-free <laughs> tattoo covered up, you ain't straight edge anymore. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know, man. I hope uh, I hope he's, I hope he didn't break. <laughs> uh, when Davey and I are uh, straight edge dudes and uh, we, we really hope he didn't break because I like Arfie yeah, and that could, a lot. That could explain the size change. Yeah, it could. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, there's no telling. But like I said, it doesn't really matter because it's not like he looked He's really a good bad. Or, he didn't look bad or anything. It, he looked like RSP and he looked great in the ring. And uh, I can't wait to see. I, I need. I want to see him like used and utilized somewhere. Like I, I'm kind of tired of like seeing like uh, uh, WWE guys come over to like say AEW for instance. I loved when they were bringing up and, and highlighting like some of the top indie guys. I think RSP is one of those overlooked guys um, on the indies. You know, there's gonna, there's actually a few of those on here. So maybe it's another reason to check out Circle Six because they do book some of these guys that you should be seeing um, on TV and stuff like that. And they're just not there yet for some for whatever fucking reason. He did show up on Dark before. Yeah, he's been he on did. Dark a few times. He did, yeah. and I don't know. I saw that match he had with Dante Martin. And, yeah, uh, and he had I, another and, one yeah. against uh, Brian Cage. Yeah, and he had a match. He was in a tag match in, against Big Show, and uh, and Big Show was in that match. And I don't know how they could like. I saw some of those matches, and he did great. And I was like, how do you watch this guy and not be like, yo, let's bring him back? Like, how do you like? I don't see. I don't get it. Like, who's not watch? Who's who? Who who is responsible for that? Insane. <laughs> I mean, maybe him. Insane to me. Could who be, knows? Yeah. yeah, you're right. Could be. I don't know. I'd love I mean, to ask him of- about that. We've kind of talked about this before, though, too, that it's it's difficult with them because, like, there there is limited time. There's so many guys that are really good there. Mm-hmm. Like, you really have to, like, kind of argue, like, okay, like, he should have this guy's spot. Well, there's some guys that aren't good there. And, <laughs> and uh, you know, there's there's much worse guys on their sh- on their roster right now than uh, than him. You know what I mean? Yeah, but there's still like a value of like draw power and stuff mm-hmm. like that. That maybe that too, that too, I guess so. And like. Like where, like where are the AR Foxes and where are the fucking um, uh, Jacob Fatus and stuff like I mean, that? AR like, Fox where are has these to be guys? a choice, right? AR Fox is just, oh my god! Like he might be the best guy that's not signed, like out there. Period. And Timothy like Thatcher, uh, Timothy Thatcher. Oh my his god! 90 days is up, right? Yeah. If he even had a ninety day, I don't even know. He probably did, yeah. And but, uh, uh, man, real quick, going back to what you were talking about with with. Uh, workers putting on weight during COVID. Remember when New Japan came back after the hiatus and mm-hmm. Tanahashi and Taichi were making light of that, pointing at each other's guts. Yeah, <laughs> like fucking <laughs> squeezing, squeezing each other's guts. Great. Yeah. That was fantastic. And then when Tana just got back in shape and got ripped again, it was it was awesome. And then now he's kind of put it back on. But, you know, there are guys... It's probably in, tough, in sta- man. Like, oh, they're yeah. get, Staying they on that, I mean, look, guys like... Look at Terry Gordy and guys like that mm-hmm. that have had great careers with that build. So it's mm-hmm. fine. You know, you can yeah. still move. It, it, Stan Hansen. You can, yeah. yeah, yeah, Stan You can use that to your advantage. It's it's fine. Dusty fucking Rhodes. We can go on and on and on. Right now, Kevin Owens. Like, that's, to me, that's, I agree with you. That's totally fine. Like, uh, it is something that we notice, but it's 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 not like a, it's not a bad thing at all in any shape or form. And yeah, it's, yeah. it's just something that we notice. That's all. And like I said, I'm a, I'm a, uh, I'm a, a fat shamer. No. <laughs> <laughs> No, I'm a big, I'm a big, uh, uh, I'm a fan of of RSP. What's the word? A fucking supporter? I don't know what the a mark word is. Yeah. No, yeah. no, no, mark. No, no. no I, I, yeah, there's I, a word for it in this racket. <laughs> <laughs> All right. 
Uh, what's, so, what's next, uh, yeah. Doc? We've got uh, t- Joey's favorite wrestler, Tyler Bateman, versus Otis Kogar. Okay. This was bizarre. Okay. <laughs> this was a really fucking weird match. I thought Otis Kogar was pretty cool. Like, he kind of carried himself pretty good. I don't know if this was He's the best showcase. Over. Yeah, people seem to like him. I, I didn't. Uh, this is my first time seeing him. I didn't really get to see enough to know like if I really think he's that great or not. But I thought he carried himself pretty good. Uh, as far as like wrestlers that wear regular clothes goes, I thought that he looked okay, like pretty good. He, he wore some like icy white sneakers and some like clean looking pants <laughs> and the fucking t shirt. So uh, that was fine with me. Um, carried himself well. Tyler Bateman didn't get him. I don't get him. Fucking, he looks like a dude that just loves going to the Renaissance Fair and decided to become a wrestler. His look didn't make any sense. He came out like, I don't know if he was trying to be a vampire or what the fuck he was doing. He's got like the eye he, contact. He had his Miller Miller beard t-shirt <laughs> on. Like, he's got like eye contact and then like the gentleman fucking mustache. Like, he didn't, I didn't think he was that great. And this did absolutely nothing for me. The finish was weird. I don't like... I guess well, they were trying to like build something. Well, I kind of want to talk about that because this was something that it wasn't a technical issue of the show, right. but it was the way the uh, venue was set up with the lighting. It's really dark on one side of the ring and it's really dark on the crowd. And they would, this is the first match where it was really obvious that it was the finish. Otis has him on the ropes and gets out a pair of scissors to like, I guess cut his hair crowd pops for it. the ref steals one scissor. He gets another one, I guess cuts him but we can't see because it's pitch black and he gets DQ'd. See, I hardly caught any of this. It's so, it was so weird. And then the other thing, like uh, traditionally, if you were going to do a, a, a finish like this, like the heel would be, would be getting their ass kicked and out of desperation, they would go for something, right? But Otis wasn't the heel. Otis wasn't the heel. And I don't know like where this came from, why they did like, it didn't, the, the finish didn't make sense, but I guess they want to go somewhere with this and, uh, uh, I guess we'll see. I don't know. I this this match was neither great or bad to me. Uh, Tyler Bateman doesn't do anything for me, but I'm looking forward to see what Otis does. He seems like he could be really good. So then uh, the next uh, quote unquote match four four zero versus the conglomerate. At this point, uh, the stream pretty much cuts out. It drops for ninety uh, percent of this match. Uh, the chat kind of goes into business for itself. I don't know who this JTD fellow is, but he was really popular in the chat. And according to him, he basically did 9-11 and any horrible thing you can think of is all <laughs> on this guy's shoulders. I think it was a, it had to be like some kind of meme. I don't know who JTD is either, but we're like, who the fuck is JTD? Like we missed that meme or something. All I know is he's a piece of shit. Yeah, they were going, yeah, they were going on. The chat was just going nuts saying JTD did this, JTD did that. Uh, JTT, the, the, like all this like crazy stuff, but we did not get to see this match. I had w- we came back for like five seconds, and the match was like the audio was on loop, and it was going like blip 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 blip. It was yeah. bad, and it went like that for several minutes, and then the only thing we saw was like two of the guys doing like humps in the ring. So <laughs> yeah, that was like the finish. Yeah, yeah, it was led into the finish. It. It, it like yeah, we saw that and like. We couldn't. I had no idea what the fuck we were wait, seeing. Wait, what? Do, wait, I had stepped away, you know, because I, I honestly thought the stream was permanent, perma fucked. So I'd stepped Not away yet. for a moment. So no. you said they were doing humps in the yeah, ring. Yeah, they were doing like yeah. air humps in the ring and like doing okay. some weird dances. So air sex. I guess they were trying to like. <laughs> uh, I guess they were trying to like. Um, uh, like 
clear the, like clear the palate for people. I don't know between matches. I don't know if this was supposed to be like a popcorn match, even though I know that four four zero is kind of the main draw of this company. And um, the booking was, sure doesn't show it. The booking doesn't show it. I guess they didn't want to put themselves over. I don't think a single four four zero member went over the show. And I think that's probably because they didn't want to like seem like they were just booking themselves over, which I respect. But also when you're also the draw and like the reason why people are interested, they're there to see you. So there's nothing wrong with uh, having a win or two. So, but I just think that, I don't know, this match was big thumbs down because we just didn't, we couldn't watch it. It it might've been great. I don't know. We could not watch it. This was when the, the production, uh, Production issues almost got to the worst. It actually gets worse than this, but this is uh this is when it got almost the worst. Like it was just the audio was completely fucked. We finally got commentary at the end of the match, and we could hear was it? I don't know if that was Lenny Leonard. It sure did sound like it. It sure just, it sounded like him. But whoever their commentator was, we could only hear him out of the left side of the mm-hmm. of, of of the audio. Like that was it. Like if it was stereo, we couldn't hear anything on the right side, and you could barely hear him. And then like I don't know why these independent wrestling companies can't figure out how to use microphones, but every single one of them, all the microphones are always topped out, like just too much gain or whatever it is, and they're always topping out and they're buzzing. It sounds bad. I, there's no way that there's just like. Like all these companies just can't figure out how to use microphones right. When the commentary first became somewhat discernible, it sounded like there was a mic on a table and two mm-hmm. cell phones on speaker phones on speakerphone mode with the commentary being phoned in. That's yeah. what it sounded like. And then it's, it improved somewhat. Yeah. It's weird. GCW's like that too with the crappy microphones uh, stuff and like oh, I don't know. Compressing and limiting and all that kind of stuff they could actually take a good look at they need to get something that has some processing uh, maybe it's because of the system that we were talking about that's not good enough to run some of this stuff but yeah i don't know that i hate that i that's a big pet peeve and it's not just circle six it's like almost every uh indie company out there fix it fix it figure it out so the stream's back up and mm-hmm. so we catch the end of that and then what viva van versus juicy finale Mm-hmm. Now, viewers who have uh, been or listeners who have been watching us for a while, Joey has complained numerous times about the selling of certain people who are against, let's say, lesser competition. Right? Didn't like Matt Cardona selling for an old man. Doesn't like really big guys selling for small dudes. So, what do you think of a match? What do you think he thought of a match where Juicy Finale, who, as his name suggests, is a big, juicy Pacific Islander guy? Versus Viva Van, who's just a pretty normal-sized woman. What do you think he thought of this match? This was the drizzling fucking shit. <laughs> uh, especially with, like, Ju- Juicy needs to have some self-respect, man. Like, they he just had a match with him. He was he teamed with Jacob Fatu, where they were fucking monsters. They are working with, like, the Briscoes. They were working with Chris Dickinson and Starboy Charlie over there. And they were being put over as fucking monsters. Then he comes over here and, like... Not just sells, but completely loses to a, a smaller, a much smaller woman, and she wasn't bad. She was fine. This isn't a knock on her as as uh, with, with her talent, and it's definitely not a, a. I mean, I guess it is a knock on Juicy for his talent, but he's he's fine. I think he's good. He has a, an, like an incredibly unique look. 
and seeing him sell like this is this was just awful like i don't know whose idea it was to book that but and i know maybe juicy's like young in the business he's a rookie or something and maybe he didn't feel comfortable about saying no but man like this is one of those situations where you got to be like i can't do that like you can't expect me to do this like i think it i think it's testament to wrestlers in certain cross-section of the indie scene who are not necessarily and i actually i think this is more widespread than just part of the indie scene i think it's all around you know i'm not going to go into a diatribe a cornet like diatribe about or diatribe depending on what part of the country you're from <laughs> uh, uh regarding wrestlers having matches with blow-up dolls and i will probably talk about that in a minute or little girls um but it does there, there is a, a pretty wide swath of younger wrestlers out there right now that are perfectly willing to not take it seriously at any given date. I just don't know if that's, but that's what not the situation how this was, was here. It was to me, it wasn't him being funny or anything like that. I think it was. It, it might be just due to lack of experience. It really came off to me that way. It may not, may not be. It might be exactly what you're saying, David. But it really didn't seem that way to me, and. It just seemed like maybe somebody was taking advantage of it and shame on him for allowing it to happen and shame on Viva. What's her name? Viva Van. Yeah. Shame on her for doing it. I mean, like we're in a different world where there's a lot of intergender matches, but you can be Mm -hmm. creative and you can still have a great match with Viva and it makes sense. And and she can still go over. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And she can still go over and like you can come up with something like like do the things where you get taken out by yourself. Like the the old school fucking pull down the rope and you go over the fucking top rope. Or, you know, just yeah. like the you know, chopping down the tree and stuff yeah, like that. Chop, like chopping down the trees, her fucking doing like top rope drop kicks and or whatever the fuck, you know, she has to fucking take you down. Like, don't give it, don't just give it to her. You know, she fucking moves out of the way. You take the shoulder to the fucking post. Like there's a million different things that you can do. You can work your size, especially when it's somebody that's so much smaller than you. And this just took me completely out of the show. It was it made me mad, man, because I, I care about pro wrestling and I care about seeing people that I think have talent like Juicy um, do shit like this. This fucking I hated this. This sucked shit bad. No, no more of this, please. Holy fuck. So that was rant over, I guess. <laughs> uh, next match was Robert Martyr versus Jake Christ. Um. This was a, I think this was a lot better. Uh, the awesome. crowd was yeah. the crowd was really into it. They started chanting for Circle Six, which is kind of a weird chant to be honest. But I get it. You know, people chant the promotion, whatever. But there was some cool stuff. Uh, there was I was a little concerned at one point where uh, Martyr just took a shit ton of moves for near falls. He took a superplex into a twisting neck breaker, took a spitting pile driver, and I'm like, what the fuck is like, going to happen for like this Chris guy to like win, or is he just losing? But then he lands a kicking combination that looked awesome. And that's how he finally uh, puts the nail in the coffin. Yeah, this match ruled. I mean, um, Jake is a veteran. We've seen him for fucking years. Like, we saw him in Ring of Honor for the first time. Irish Airborne, With his brother, Irish Airborne, yeah. And, uh, man, this this match was really good. It seemed like like Martyr was, you know, he's the green guy and... He was learning. He went to school, and it was a good match. Really good he was match. Kind of, his gear was even kind of young yeah. lion-esque. Yeah, yeah. And this match was like, this match kind of saved the show after that after that finale Viva match. 
What happens to Jake Christ's wrestling career when the wrestling world is all out of Ohio gimmicks? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why there's so much Ohio stuff. I know that there's like OVE. What did they call? They, they were called like yeah. something else on the Ohio. on the Indies. There was oh, Ohio shit. is for killers, I think. Jesus, and then I didn't whenever, know that. Yeah, okay. whenever they went to to Impact, they changed the name to OVE. But that was like Sammy Callahan's thing, and like mm. they were like all trained together and stuff like that. I guess like four four O is doing kind of the same thing, and they're they all yeah, train oh, together, yeah. and they're all they all roll together. So I get it. Um, I think it kind of pigeonholes you when you're when you are a gimmick that uh, from where you're from. I, I I think they could like four four O was pretty cool, right? Like it like they did a good job. They had good branding. Uh, they had a good presence. The um, they did a lot of really cool stuff in GCW. But they didn't have to be Ohio. They could have been. They could have come up with like a different name and did the same approach with good branding and things like that. I that think being that said, I think the branding's almost too good because I had no idea who ninety percent of their members were on the show. Right, and then, and then like, but you knew who four four zero, yeah, like four four zero existed, right? And like, it, I think you, you pigeonhole yourself when you're like, oh, we're from here, and that's it. Like that's you can you can come up with like a cool name. I mean, look at like Bullet Club, right? They're they're called the Bullet Club, not um, not. Uh, Kyoto, the Not Kyoto from Japan. Japan Club. Yeah, you know, it's you can it, that shit can spread, especially if your branding is really good. That can go everywhere, and you open up the door for people that don't live in Ohio to really like you. They're all heel factions, right? And true. Outside of Ohio, I never hear anything good about Ohio. No, <laughs> no. it's the ultimate <laughs> from heel anyone. Thing. Yeah, I guess so. But I mean, come on. You I did actually, it. I like that dynamic as well, though. Like. It's people will talk shit, but you're proud of where you come from. And um, it might be like down and dirty, but that's kind of the punk rock thing, right? It's it's something that might be looked down on, but that you represent. And that's okay to me. I, I like that about it, actually. So that being, that being said, where's our Florida man faction? <laughs> Florida oh, faction? Oh, my God. Just that a bunch be, of Florida that dudes. Would be gnarly. Yeah, that would be gnarly. <laughs> <laughs> There's an idea. Yeah, so, um, but we... Uh, I, I, I thought, the, this, like I said, this match was awesome. Uh, I'm glad it existed on the card because this show really, really needed it and it really got people back into the show. Yeah, now, the next agreed. match was really awesome. Biff Busick versus Brody mm -hmm. King. Yeah, now this we see match Bro of the show. Yeah, yeah we I'll, st I'll, I'll stop you right there real quick because I'm a jerk. Fair um, enough. <laughs> This should have been the main event. I know that yep. Kogar is, you know, he had he has a big story leading into this and all that. This is this is big time names and they have a great match. This this is my main event if I'm booking this show. Sorry, uh, yeah. Doc, go ahead, man. No, I I totally get that for sure. And this is, you know, we see Brody every Wednesday or usually every Wednesday or Friday on Dynamite. You know, it's part of the House of Black, so like you kind of know how good he is if you've been watching Dynamite. Uh, but Biff, uh, the former Oni Lorcan on NXT, and was was he on NXT UK ever? Or I don't think so. He had that tag team partner that was from the UK, and that's where yeah. And he was in the and he was in the yeah. faction of Pete Dunne. Exactly. Um, yeah. So that's but, why people would draw that. Like uh, yeah. Uh, but he's really good. He uh works a really nice style with Brody. They do like there's that size difference that matters, right? They go for this test of strength that he just gets like you know he just can't keep up with like Brody King in that regard. But what finally allows him to turn this match around is he, um, he dodges a chop into the ring post by Brody. And then he just starts working the hand. He does the digit break thing that Pete Dunn does, but usually doesn't lead to any spot in the match, which is like always a critique I have of him. 
but he works it. He continuously goes after the hand and keeps trying to work the hand. Um, but eventually he loses. Uh, he eats a nasty lariat and a gonzo bomb, and Brody wins. This match was sweet, though. Yeah, this was easily big time match, uh, big time talent, big time like big time everything. It felt big time. This match put Circle Six on the map for me. Like I think that this was the this was absolutely the standout. Um, I I like Biff Music. I saw him when I got into like Evolve. I I saw him. Uh, I I found some of his other stuff because I really liked Timothy Thatcher. And then I found that Timothy Thatcher had notable feuds with uh with Biff Music on the Indies and stuff. And that's where I first saw him. So I always knew he was really good. And this was just like he's on another level now though. Like he really like he's gotten so much better even since then. The crowd um, sings his music. The crowd loves him. Oh my god, yeah, dude. dude. Like he, he Well, he, he comes yeah. out for people who don't know, he comes out to Pennywise bro him, which is unbelievable. And I can't yeah. believe no one's thought of it yet, but it it's awesome. And if for whatever reason he makes an appearance uh on any of these weekend shows, Joey and and, and I he think is. He is he's on that show. Yeah, he's booked. Yeah, he's booked at Bloodsport. I can't I mean, wait. it's going to I'm going to try not to sing along to fucking bro him, <laughs> but <laughs> I don't know if I can help myself. If anybody, if any of you guys are anybody that's listening to this, if you guys end up going, uh, coming out to Dallas for WrestleMania weekend, you see us hanging out, uh, walking around at any events or anything like that. We will be uh, at a lot of the events. Come say hi. Come say hello. We love meeting people that like the show, and uh, you know we're approachable. Come say hello and stuff. That'd be cool. Oh, straight up, man. So without getting too fetishistic about the male body you see a lot of i'm gonna talk about biff real quick i I seem to be bringing up physique a lot this episode but talking about biff you see guys that are more cut than him and bigger than him and sometimes maybe they get a little um help uh chemical uh, enhancement (laughs) i don't know or maybe their workout regimens are different whatever biff looks like he is solid as gibraltar man he, I mean, he looks. Some of these guys that are are big and cut, it's not. They're not always as solid as they look. This right. dude looks like he could take a week off the gym and still be that hard. He looks like a legit <laughs> fucking badass. He really. This does. guy, yeah, he is the real deal. He's one of the top names on the indies right now. I know he was cut loose, and shame on them. But of course, that's characteristic of them to not know what to do with guys like that. I look forward to all of his matches. Incredible talent, totally believable, comes out to bro him. I don't know. We should do power rankings, <laughs> independent power rankings. I'd be down sometime. for that. Yeah, it'd be fun yeah, and, at some and point. Yeah. If, if we did that, he's going to be in my top five right now on the, on the indies, no doubt. I he agree with you. Be. Yeah, he's fucking excellent. I, I, I really hope we get to see this rivalry anew with him and Tim, Timothy Thatcher. It's funny, like you bring up the hand, the working the hand. That's totally a Biff thing. Like mm-hmm. Timothy Thatcher likes to work that. If you ever, if you ever go back and get a chance to watch, uh, it was from Progress. It was Walter versus um, Timothy Thatcher. They do that was the story that they did in that match because Walter's known for the chops and everything, and he goes for the fucking chop and he hits the post just like Brody did, and he fucking hit the hand and then fucking Timothy Thatcher works the, the hand the entire match. And I would say the psychology is even better in that match than it is in this one. And this and, and that's not to say that this one wasn't great. This one was fantastic, but that's just that just goes to show. But that's total. you know, they have their fucking interactions and things like that. And I guarantee you that's something that they probably like kind of learn from each other and stuff like that. That kind of psychology, that kind of like unique psychology and stuff. In one way, I'm glad this was not the main event because 
that meant we actually got to see <laughs> the whole thing. Yeah, this, yeah. Thank heavens they worked out all the issues. Not all of them, but like it, we got to watch this match and we got to watch it in a decent frame rate. We got to see it on Twitch. And uh, that brings us to the next match. Well, it takes us to 25 minutes intermission. Then the next oh, match. Oh, that's right. Oh, <laughs> so, my God. Such a strange decision. Uh, yeah. I, I, I mean, I get why companies do this, like that, do that stuff. They want people to have their chance to go to the merch tables to buy, to buy uh, merch. They want them to go get concessions and make money and things like that. Maybe. I don't know what they did there. But I know like some wrestlers will like the baby faces will sometimes take pictures in the ring and things like that. But they this this completely let the air out of the room at this we point. They're just so high. They're just atrophying viewers at this. point. Yeah, we're, we were so hyped. They started off with like 2K viewers, just about 2K viewers. Everybody people were excited to check it out. What's the highest it got up to? I saw someone post a screenshot of twenty four hundred plus. It, it, it might I didn't have see it that, that high, high, but maybe I didn't it see did. it that high. But it could have been. It could have been while we were focusing on a match or something like that. It got mm-hmm. high, but this completely let the air out of the room. We saw like the, the 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 stream went down a bunch of times because of all the problems. And when the stream goes down, it comes back up. People are gonna leave and things like that. That just happens. Just speaking from as a streamer myself, it's one of the worst things about being a streamer is when you have technical problems and you have a bunch of viewers and then you fuck your shit fucks up and you come right back. And people just, they're just gone. It's fucking heart-wrenching. It really fucking is. And I get it. But this is what happened here. And then they had a 25-minute intermission. Holy shit. I, maybe they needed to do it. Maybe they maybe they maybe there was a reason for it. But man, this show came on late. It came on late for us. It started late. And we get this intermission. And we're just like, holy shit. Like, we're already ready to go to bed. And the chat was too. Everybody was mad. Everybody hated it. And uh, I really hope we don't see something like this again or it's just a tighter, quicker intermission. Because I get why they exist, but if you're broadcasting somewhere and you have a lot of viewers watching from home, this was torture. Doc, what do you think, man? Are they at a West Coast disadvantage? Yeah, I mean, that's that's part of it too, right? I mean, it's because I know like even when, when this actually ends and we did see the ending for it, it was like, I mean, I know you guys are an hour uh, behind me, but still for me, it was like 240 or something. So 140 mm-hmm. for you guys. Like, I mean, obviously, you know, we are uh, somehow, you know, somewhat creatures of the night. But uh, <laughs> even that's kind of late for us. Then what happens? We had the no DQ match for the uh, West Coast Deathmatch Championship, I believe, with Schlock versus Jacob Fatu. Yeah. Uh, uh, th- this was okay. Schlack is is like that for me. He's okay. He's fine. I he has a good presence. Um, some of the decisions he makes is really fucking weird. Um, Jacob Fatu is one of those guys that are one of the best guys to not be signed. Uh, there was a really big spot here that we really hated. <laughs> I think we all oh, universally hated. Do we just um, want to talk about that? Can I just mention that it. real quick? Or do yeah, you want to go for it? Okay. Yeah, no, no, no. Go right ahead. So toward the end of the match, Schlack takes. A Samoan drop from an actual Samoan <laughs> through a pane of glass. And he chooses that moment to no-sell a big spot. <laughs> it just seems like it should be illegal. He knows he no-sells, he fucking fires up, and this leads to the finish. So I would probably put this just as much on Jacob as I would Schlack. This is probably planned. They probably came up with it. Fucking shame on this. This is 
like I get it. It's deathmatch wrestling. So like no selling is part of the fucking game. Oh, yeah. That's kind of the nature of the beast. But this was just overboard. Do it another big spot. Do it yeah. another big spot. Don't don't bury the Samoan drop. I think from the sh- best Samoan, arguably on the Indies. No, the best Samoan. On he the might Indies. be. Yeah, he might be the best Samoan out there. Or besides, like, like as far as that yeah. family line goes, like he might yeah. be. Yeah, and uh, you know, we're not talking about like Samoa Joe, but yeah, um, yeah, he's awesome. He's fucking fantastic. And and this was just this was just oh my god, why did they do this? And I think Schlack is cool. Like I think he's a good addition to the to the Circle Six roster. Like I said, he has got a good presence. People like him. Um, and this he's is, a maniac. Yeah, yeah, he's a monster. Yeah, we, we we were looking at him. He's like, man, this just looks like he comes off as a guy that just does not give a fuck. He's got the tattoos on his face. He looks like he he's does every supplement known to man. Like he's just a fucking <laughs> brick house and great presence. So good, 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 good addition to the roster. We just didn't like the finish for the most yeah. part. Yeah. I would All like right. to see some. I know, I know that like one of the big attractions for this company are is the death matches, but we'll get more into this when we get to the main event as well. But man, I'd be cool seeing a lot of a lot of these guys. They picked quality guys. I would like to. I wouldn't mind seeing these guys never do a death match again. I would still like them. He looks and, like a player character from fucking Gears of War. Is what he looks yeah, like. Yeah, straight up <laughs> straight Gears up. of War character. Straight up. <laughs> All um, right. Next up, we had, uh, and I did not like this, the Taipei Deathmatch, uh, what's his name? Vinny Massaro versus, uh, what's his name? Lance Bays? I don't remember what his name was. Uh, anyways, so for those who are not familiar with the Taipei Deathmatch, uh, you have, like, you know, tape on your wrist and you and fist, and you get glass shards in it. So the last thing we see before Terms of Services, uh, you know, takes the stream down is Vince uh, like like rubbing his like you know glass hand you know across Lance's face and instead of you know letting the glass you know cut him open we literally see him do a blade job in front of the fucking camera mere <laughs> seconds before the stream gets taken down yeah that's pretty much the last thing we saw yeah uh Taipei deathmatch aka fighting in the ancient way if you've seen kickboxer um <laughs> With the most famous Taipei death match in wrestling history is probably uh, ECW Axel versus Ian Rodden. Yeah, and they they did something that this match failed to do, which was make a ceremony out of you know wrapping your fist and then dipping it in the glue and then in the glass. That should you got to sell that, dude. It's I so agree. cool, such a cool visual. Yeah, they had and, Vinny like dip it in the glass, but that was yeah. Like, I. And that th- you should put this over. It's pro wrestling. You got to make it look like a big deal. And Dude, this is yeah. this is a chance. This was a chance for them to do that, and they did not do it. It was weird. I did not like this match at all. I don't. I like. I, we didn't. Okay, we didn't see the whole match because Mm-mm. the stream got taken down off Twitch. Like it was. They got uh, the the sh- the channel got banned for terms of service. I don't know what that's about. Like I said, I thought they might have like worked some stuff out. I don't know if they got mass reported by assholes or whoever the fuck it was maybe some like jealous parties or something like that but our twitch um, was just like you can't just cut yourself yeah. with a razor blade on <laughs> yeah and who knows and you know i didn't look at i wasn't watching the chat list i didn't know, see if there were any like uh twitch mods or anything like that in there or, or staff i i should have been watching or something but 
the uh yeah the stream got brought down so we didn't even get to watch the rest of the match and honestly it was almost a godsend because <laughs> Vinny Massaro didn't do anything for me he looked like absolute shit and uh I didn't get what he was trying to sell um and like it's like you said the match was weird it's weird to do a match like this with there's when there's no heat and if you're going Absolutely. to do it like make it a big deal like there was just it was so weird it was such a weird match and uh not impressed by either of the guys so it was comedic when the stream went down again more than regrettable or regrettable because i wasn't giving a shit about what was going on yeah this isn't that you you got two guys with glass on their hand on their hands having a match and you got this jerk off in texas who doesn't give a shit about it is that my fault or yours you know (laughs) yeah i i thought like uh I thought that, um, I mean, with that said, and that's true, but with that said, you know, we were bummed that we didn't get to see the, uh, or we were, we might not get to see the main event. So mm-hmm. we're trying to figure out what's going on. We're, 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 we're sticking to Twitter and stuff like that. At this point, they were around a thousand viewers or something like that. They also claimed well, they had a power outage around then too. Yeah. I don't know what happened there. Very I strange. don't, you can't get banned from a power outage, uh, <laughs> but I don't know if like this stuff, like when, when it rains, it pours, maybe like shit just hit the fan. I don't know anything about what just, what happened there. I would love to find out. They may have been fabing us. I couldn't yeah. get anybody to confirm it's, that I it went out that was in the building. Yeah. I have no idea. So, um, but the, like I said, they said the stream will be back up. We'll figure it out. I didn't know if they were going to do YouTube or what. So they put it on Facebook and there was like 260 people watching. So they went from like 2k people down to like 200 people giving a crap about the main event. Um, so I guess we'll get to that. We had to switch to Facebook to finish it. It was really late. We were all fucking tired. Just felt beaten down by all the issues and waiting for things to happen and things like that. Like it was it was an absolute like, I don't want to say chore because there was some good stuff on it, but it felt like mm. it felt like we'd been working. Like it felt like we were at work, like yeah. doing a job. You know what I mean? And uh, like at this point, but we stuck through it and we decided to watch like even EOD was about to go to bed and then we're like, oh, we got it back up on Facebook and he stuck around. So we yeah, I was wondering, I was event. wondering when, when, when Joey said, hey, it's back up on Facebook after you had already kind of said your good night. I was wondering if you were like, God damn it. Yes. 100% <laughs> I was. Yeah. Uh, I was just like, fuck, like, can't they, you know, can't like the power just be out? Like, <laughs> like, like, like <laughs> but uh. It yeah, so, it was late. Yeah, so the main event, Atticus Kogar versus Masada. Uh, this was okay. I mean, it's it's another death match. Uh, one thing I absolutely hate, they go out into the crowd a lot, which, you know, that's fine. And I'm sure it was awesome live, but it is pitch dark. You can't see shit on whatever camera they're using. And, like, I don't know if they're using a phone camera, but I think about this, like, when you use phone cameras in the dark. Yeah. Unless it's on night mode, you can't see shit. It's, and you it can't see so anything. And like they had light tubes and you can hear the light tubes breaking, but you can't see it. So it's like these guys are just like killing themselves to nothing. <laughs> Even worse is that the frame rate was just. Oh, yeah. It was so bad. We were watching like stop motion and everybody you can tell everybody in the Facebook chat was just really pushing themselves to actually watch the main event. I'm sure it was awesome live, but it was so hard to enjoy. We like Addison Kogar around. Uh, Addison, we we like Atticus Kogar uh, around here. Yeah. Um, we know Masada for a long. We know about Masada for a long time, and um, it's we just we could, it was hard to enjoy this match because of all this this struggle and stuff. And I I I I, I the match itself 
I can see kind of what the story was. And it's just really weird seeing somebody like Masada, who's actually got a lot of talent, and he did get into the to the um, deathmatch style and stuff like that. And I know he did tours in Big Japan and everything. So he has a name there, but man, I always thought not Masada could have done so much more. And I feel like that about Atticus Kogar. Like Atticus Kogar, he doesn't need all the deathmatch stuff to me to be really good and interesting as a character. He does a really good job with his facials. He does a really good job with his demeanor, his character, the way he sticks in, he stays in character, the, how serious he takes being a heel. Like he does a really, he's good on the mic. He he's good at his branding. He's very good at all those things. He doesn't need the deathmatch stuff. And like maybe he doesn't give a fuck what I have to say. But I would like Addison Kogar. I gotta keep calling it Addison. I would like <laughs> <laughs> I would like Atticus Kogar, whether he was doing deathmatch stuff or not. And I would prefer to see him not do deathmatch stuff, honestly. I want I think he could go so far in pro wrestling. I really fucking do. Yeah, far be it from me to try to project someone's motivations for doing this type of match Mm -hmm. but you just wonder is it because this is what they grew up loving or they met somebody along the way that they looked up to who was a deathmatch guy or they're trying to prove something to themselves i don't know i can take a deathmatch maybe once every five shows that i watch one about five every one show yeah see yeah i mean it's not what i'm in you know people like different things that's great um, not my thing, and so I'm I'm not going to try to be too critical of it. There wasn't much here for me that um that that moved the needle. So I guess they're I guess we'll talk like we'll see where they're going. Like they're they they definitely have one on one one win in their careers. So I guess we'll get a rubber match between Atticus Kogar and Masada. Does anyone remember what the finish was? Like, I, I just remember it kind of coming out of nowhere. I literally wrote down Masada wins dot 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 somehow dot dot dot. I don't really remember. I know that like they did some pretty gruesome spots with the skewers. And it was like I said, it was hard to follow because of the uh, because of the frame rate and things like that because of the issues. But there was this really insane spot. I thought like the violence was good. Like I, it was still fun to watch. Death matches are better when there's heat behind them, and this had a little bit of heat. And there was a part where um, Atticus put uh, skewers in Masada's head, and they were sticking out of his head. And then, like Masada took the uh, the skewers out of his own head, and then stuck those very same skewers into Atticus's head. That, that was, was memorably s- disgusting. Yeah. So <laughs> in- yeah, that was insane. Um, I guess they were trying to get over how fucking sadistic they wanted to be with each other. And that sold it. That sold. That absolutely sold it. Um, well, that's I kind can, of yeah. my general problem with death matches is like I feel like that's like such a cool and memorable moment that, that should, if not be the finish, lead directly into it. But they just keep going and like everything well, they after did. that I, is just diminishing returns. If I remember correctly, like I said, it was so hard to follow this match because of all the issues. I think it did ultimately lead to the finish, but, but it I went don't a lot re- longer. It did. It didn't go that much longer after that. I don't think it yeah. did. It was. It's. So, it was so late at this point. You know, everything no judgment fell on us for yeah. yeah, no judgment on us for not quite you know putting together the chronology. Yeah, uh, I like Atticus Kogar. Um, I think he's kind of an unfinished product. We'll mm-hmm. see. You know where he goes. Agreed. Um, he maybe showing some versatility. Maybe he thinks this is his niche. I'm not sure. I haven't seen too much Masada. I think he's showing up on AW Dark this week. 
Yeah, he is. He absolutely is. I mean, he's he he wrestled. He I think he was, he trained um, at Shawn Michaels School. I don't know if he I don't mm-hmm. know if he trained under Shawn Michaels or if he trained under Rudy Boy Gonzalez down there. But I know he's out of the Texas Wrestling Academy, and uh, I always thought he was good. I knew him um, in XCW. We had a match in XCW, and um, he was pretty nice. He was he was he was a he was a nice guy, very very much to himself a lot. But he always was. Um, I always thought he was really good. I I don't really have anything bad to say about the guy. Well, it'd be interesting to see following this what his dark match, how it plays out. That's it's going to be an interesting contrast because I don't imagine there's going to be uh, I don't imagine there's going to be much shared blood <laughs> on the AW dog. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I'd like to see that. I, like I said, I think he's actually good. He has all the fun- fundamentals. He knows what he's doing when it comes to just a normal ass wrestling match. I think that match came on tonight, so we could actually watch it ASAP. But um, he, uh, I don't, I don't have any worry that he's going to be good in that match. Depending on if they squash or not, I don't know what they're gonna do. Who knows? But we'll see. We'll watch the match. Yeah. Do we want to? Do we want to talk about NWA next? Yeah, yeah. So that was that was Circle Six. Um, not the worst debut I've ever seen. It's probably gonna be better than some of the other wrestling promotions starting or coming up uh, really soon. I really hope they work out their issues. We're looking forward to seeing more. So we'll definitely yeah. watch the second show. I guess they, it sounds like I think Attica said that they were going to Ohio next. So they're going to be in their home. They're going to be in their hometown. Maybe that's when they're going to get their big wins. So we'll see. Maybe that's what they're setting up for. They're trying to like build some heat with all their losses or something like that. Who knows? I don't know what their thought process is on that, but um you know, we'll be tuning into that and we'll tell you if it's uh improved or not. But promising, you know, promising indie companies are going to have their struggles. And uh, we hope for the best for them. So that was Circle Six skewered. Let's move on to NWA Crockett Cup. We didn't watch everything, but we watched a few matches here and there. It was just too much to watch, too much wrestling to watch this week. Uh, but we did watch a few matches, and we'll, we'll go ahead and talk about a couple of the main ones here. Well, real quick, can we talk about the promo that we watched right before we started recording? Yeah, so I just thought like I was I we I was sitting down watching the the Crockett Cup and I watched I watched this match. I watched the uh the television championship match right before um that that took place right before and it went into this this uh promo and I was like, "Oh, cool. You know, Aaron Stevens has a promo." And I remember how good he was as like Damian Sandow and stuff like that. And I'd seen him a little bit on like NWA Power and stuff like that and I thought he was fine. But man, what happened to him? What is going on here? A guy that was great on the mic, that had a great presence and stuff like that. One of the guys that was getting over in WWE, and they one of those one of those first not first guys, but first guys of this modern era that didn't get his due in WWE. What happened here? This was so weird. Just stumbling all over his promo, like didn't have a point. Was going really long, and then just the most like absent-minded fucking interview I've ever seen in my life. Like, this was like some jumping Jeff Farmer level shit. It was so weird. This this made that Kalisto promo, the one where he's, you know, being interviewed, I think it was like after the draft, where he's, you know, like, I'm here to sh- shock the world. Uh, You know, Lucha, Lucha stuff. Ah! And runs off. It made that look like a fucking master class. He's like, I don't know if he's trying to work this gimmick where he's just called, like, like, NWA... And like the interviewer was May something and okay. And he just kept doing this. And like he said nothing for like 
10 minutes basically he's like i don't know what i'm gonna do i don't know if i'm gonna be a singles tag person but like that was basically what the message was but it was just the most baffling thing i've ever seen the gimmick here i from what i can discern is that he is a ham actor um he mentioned (laughs) he could do a little this a little that he do stunts do a stunt double and uh, I, i don't know but the the only thing i can think of other than this just being one of the worst promos of 2022 is that because he's a ham, there's an element of like King of Comedy or hell, he may have not even seen King of Comedy. Maybe he just saw the Joker movie and he's out there drowning during his promos and it's somehow going to be part of his character. I don't know, because like you say, he's got talent. So as long as he's sober, I don't know what happened here. This is a live event, so they can't just, you know, do a take two, but very weird. I don't know if there's any build up to this, but yeah, it it probably is just the worst promo. Yeah, so I don't know what's going on there, but yeah, at least we watched that promo. I think I'm the only one that watched this next match. Actually, um, I I watched the uh, the the World Television Championship match between Rodney Mac and Tyrus, and I don't know how Rodney Mac has gone under people's radar for so many years, but what a fucking talent, dude! He's so good. He's very old school, but he's like one of those old school guys that can work with like the young with like the younger, faster paced wrestlers. And I saw him like he was doing he was hard carrying this match. I haven't seen a hard carry this this hard in a long fucking time. He um, he was doing this stuff where he was boxing Tyrus's gut, like going after like the soft parts of Tyrus. And that was kind of the story that they were going for. And his work is just brilliant. His selling was fucking brilliant. Like, I don't understand why more, like, people should be booking Rodney Mack. He should be on Bloodsport. He should be on all the top indie shows. He's fantastic, and he's a veteran. And I know he's a great teacher, too. So people should be bringing him in to help in the locker room, to help in their matches. Like, holy fuck, he's good. With that said, Tyrus is the drizzling shits. He was fucking awful. He missed so many cues that Rodney was trying to give him. Um... It was crazy. And then the there was a big climax where they made this uh, superplex. And Tyrus is huge, like 6'8". He's like fucking huge. And Rodney gives him this superplex off the, uh, off the top rope. And they do it in like this way where it looks like Rodney was struggling to, to, to get him over. And it looked awesome. Like he did it like he was falling as opposed to like doing like a textbook suplex. And it looked fucking awesome. Like it was the right kind of sloppy. They fucking hit really hard. And that was pretty much the climax of the match. And then Tyrus ended up winning. But like, man, dude, I like I didn't I was like, man, what is Rodney gonna be like? You know, he's older, it's been a long time. I don't know why, like, even the smarter fans never took to him with how good he is. It's crazy. To me, it's crazy. And uh people should look out for this guy, honestly. Maybe not look out for him. I don't know what he's gonna do now, but Somebody should fucking book him straight up. He's in his early fifties. He's you know he's spent time at ECW. He was with WWE. Mm-hmm. He's gone around the world in the independent cir- circuit. I think NWA is a good spot for him if they can continue to grow. Obviously, Billy Corgan wants it to. I thought this event might function as a springboard. Watching it a little bit, I'm not sure that it is going to turn too many heads. Other than from what I could tell, it was a solid event. It was a two-day mm-hmm. event. We'll talk about 
the climax of it of day two and the you know the the nwa championship match here in a minute yeah um so we had the we watched the finals of the crockett cup and we're not saying that any of the matches were not as good or anything like that because we didn't get to watch all of them but uh we had doug williams who is a great veteran i we've watched him for fucking years he's fantastic another guy i don't know how he never fucking caught on uh uh, Davy Boy Smith Jr. or Harry Smith? I don't. What what name was he using here? He was going by Harry Smith. He was going by Harry Smith. Yeah, he was. Uh, he's good. I know he he tagged with Lance for a long time, and and uh, this was like a really good final team to wrestle the Briscoes. We know the Briscoes are the probably one of the best, if not the best, tag team in the world. This match ruled. It was good. It was like nothing. I there was nothing wrong with it. It was very like uh, veteran like. Like all the guys knew what the fuck they were doing. It was exciting. The spots were in the right place. The dies were in the right place. The fucking double teams were in the right place. I love seeing the Briscoes doing shit that no other tag teams do, even though they're like a modern style tag team. And um, like stuff like, you know, obeying the fucking rules and trying to stop the other wrestlers from coming in while the other guy's pinning their guy, you know, even though they're not winning. Like that shit is just the little things that fucking tag teams do. The Briscoes are still the fucking best. And uh, they ended up winning and well deserved. They uh, they got that to their uh, to their their accolades. Yeah, it's awesome. I didn't think Corgan was going to book them. I I figured they would be in the final. I didn't think he was going to book them to win it. I thought La Rebellion might be the Crockett Cup winners because I don't know how available the Briscoes are going to be. They definitely deserve. You know, Crockett Cup is a storied event and a storied prize. And for them to win it, they're, I mean, they're probably one of the greatest tag teams of all time. So no doubt there, the match was really solid, really good stuff. I was, I was pretty excited about this. You know, if I had to rate it on, you know, five-star system, I'd, it would be somewhere, but it'd probably be like a 3.75 or something, which is fine. I mean, Doug mm-hmm. Williams is a veteran. He reminds me like the way he moves and his look. I saw some footage of Luthez from like the late 50s. Mm-hmm. It, re- it reminds me a lot of that, obviously with a British slant. But yeah, he's terrific. I know he spent a lot of time working in the UK. So I'm not really surprised that he didn't get signed. The only game in town during his prime in the US was WWE. And I'm not surprised. His longest, sign him. his longest stint on TV was with Impact. Yeah, he was with Impact for a mm-hmm. while. Yeah. He, um, the this the uh, that brings me to another point of this match um the commentary was actually pretty decent they actually had david crockett on commentary he wasn't nothing he was nothing like to write home about as far as like quality of uh a, a quality of the actual commentary but he was it's cool it's cool that he he was there like i thought that was awesome and uh but you know who was really amazing on commentary it was fucking tim storm they had tim storm on commentary that dude is old school through and through. He takes everything fucking seriously. And he was also in the uh the um the world title match on commentary. He has so much emotion. He came out there looking real nice in a suit and just fucking hit it out of the park. Holy fuck. I did not expect Tim Storm to be one of the best commentators in the biz when I was watching this show. Mm-hmm. Like he's fucking great on fucking like oh my god. Not on the mic but on the commentary. Holy shit. Yeah. But I mean he's a good he's a good talker period. Mm. they do have i remember i think it was the first or second uh episode of power you gotta say it like that right um i think it was 
I think it was him that delivered a promo. And the gist of it was, all that other shit you watch is a bunch of boys, but here in NWA, we're men. And he certainly looks like a man, and it does look old school in that regard. There there weren't mm-hmm. a lot of literal baby faces back in the glory days of the NWA. And they've got a lot of guys signed right now that look and act and wrestle like grown men. Mm-hmm. They really do, Which actually. Cool. I guess that brings us to the to the the main event, uh, the yep. NWA World's Heavyweight Championship match. Nick Aldis versus Matt Cardona with uh, Jeff Jarrett, a special guest referee. I'm assuming there's a story there. I don't know what it was. Uh, this match fucking sucked. <laughs> Absolutely yeah. horrible. I mean, you have so I don't uh, totally understand what the psychology was here. I assume like Cardona is a heel. He seems to be his GCW character. But like mm-hmm. Jeff Jarrett's trying to screw him. Like there's a point where he's like grabbing onto the ropes and instead of calling a rope break, Jeff Jarrett's like kicking his hands. That's 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 uh, so the, I think the story here is that they wanted somebody that was going to like be almost an enforcer and call it down the middle. Jeff Jarrett That's not calling a, it down the middle. Well, uh-huh. kicking kicking his arm, that's like an old school ref thing because it's like a ref that doesn't is like a no nonsense, doesn't take uh, any bullshit. So when he grabs the rope, he's kicking like that's that's an old school ref thing. That's to me that's still down the middle because he's not putting up with a uh, Cardona's bullshit. There's a part What's where bullshit about going for a rope break. Well, he was was he was using it for leverage, was he not? Yeah, that's what no, I yeah, remember. He was, yeah. yeah, he was I using it was, for leverage. No, I thought it was just a rope break. It was for a hole. No, he was using it. No, he was using it for leverage. Okay, so yeah, he had some. What did he have? The figure four slapped on all this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he and was grabbing it. Yeah, there was a part where Cardona tried to leave. Like he's he's definitely playing the chicken shit heel. I think the chicken shit heel is fine. But when you're the NWA World's Heavyweight Champion, you got to tone it down a little bit. And he's leaning into it way too much. He he, he he's, he's trying to leave. He's trying to do that thing where he grabs his belt. He tries to leave. And Jeff Jarrett's doing the count. And he stops. He's like, he gets on the microphone. He's like, listen up, slap nuts. He gets a pop from the crowd. The crowd was actually pretty tame for the most part of this show. But they were okay. Um, and he was... he. He's like, hey, I'm not going to count you out. He's like, you want to try to leave and keep the championship? He's like, no, you, you're not doing that. You need to get your ass back in here and wrestle. And uh, so Cardona listens and he has to come back in and stuff what like that. What if he that. just got in his car and left? Which these, yeah, it's just straight left. The like, camera follows him and he just drives off fought. slowly. The cameraman gets in their car and follows yeah. him. He goes to Subway. He waits on a long <laughs> drive through. Straight up. <laughs> so, like, I guess, like, you know, I mean, I would, I would imagine if they actually did something like that, they would just strip him of the title or something. So they were like, he's, he's like, there's going to be a finish to this match. He, they, so Cardona comes back to the ring. This was okay. I think that's that's fine to do that. But like I said, I think they need to tone down the chicken shit heel a little bit. Uh, Cardona's writing that line of being the hottest heel in the indies and being the like the biggest fucking clown laughing stock at this point. Like it's starting to be too much to me. And uh, you know how high I was on him like during this whole Nick Gage thing and everything. It makes sense against Nick Gage, but he's wrestling Nick Aldis. So it doesn't need to be like this. And Are you telling me people don't give a shit about Nick Aldis? No, I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying that he's not the same kind of like scary that Nick Gage like kind of puts off right so um this was cool though like you said it's it's like men their their work their actual like in-ring stuff was fine it's all of the overbooking and bullshit it felt it seriously felt like old tna booking where there was just too much fucking going on there was too much interference finish with that yeah so i'll get to the finish in a second 
But there was a part where, and this is this was awesome. Like this was the best part of the match was Tim Storm. Like the whole fucking best part of the entire match was Tim Storm. They like uh, Cardona was like giving him the middle finger, talking shit to him, and Tim Storm was like, dude, he was so believable when he did this. But he's like, what are you doing, man? I'm just trying to do my job, dude. I'm just trying to do my job. You know, he's talking about it, and um, you hear him on the commentary, and there's just so much emotion coming through Tim Tim Storm's commentary and stuff. And he's like, I know I'm supposed to be partial, but I just really, I'm backing Nick Aldis here. And it's awesome. Oh, my God. It's so good. Like, I could not believe how good he was on commentary. And then it got to a point where uh, Tim Storm grabbed uh, Matt Cardona, ended up throwing him back in the ring because he kept being a chicken shit. This was okay. And then we get to the fucking finish. And it was such a clusterfuck that nobody in the building knew what the fuck was going on or why it was happening. Um, Chelsea Green shows up. Hits Jeff Jarrett in the balls. Um, and then uh, Mickey James comes to counteract her because she's uh, the, the wife of uh, Nick Aldis. So she dumps um, Chelsea Green out of the ring. Then uh, Nick Aldis slaps on the Texas Cloverleaf for the finish. And Matt Cardona taps out. But at the same time he taps out, Jeff Jarrett calls for the bell because Mickey James is still in the ring. Are still around the ring. So the story is, is that he thought that Mickey James is the one that hit Jeff Jarrett in the balls. So even though Matt Cardona was tapping out, they still, it was disqualification and Matt Cardona keeps the championship. So absolute clusterfuck. Nobody knew what the fuck was going on. Nobody liked this. I surely didn't like this. Um, what an embarrassing way to fucking book your NWA World Heavyweight Championship. And here's the, the problem. Yeah, and here's the biggest problem about that on this event. Like, it makes sense for you want to have Jeff Jarrett there. That makes sense. He's from the Nashville area, right? That's fine. You want to put mm-hmm. him as a rep. That's fine. You want to do this ending uh, in your main event of the Crockett Cup, an event that's named after a prestigious tag tournament. If you're gonna do this ending, it's not your main event. The fucking mm-hmm. Crockett Cup Finals is your main event. Mm-hmm. If you have a barn burner of an NWA championship match, then okay, maybe you can maybe you can put this as your main. Mm-hmm. That's a huge mistake. Yeah, by Billy Corgan to do this. Like, what the fuck are you thinking, dude? You spend too much time watching Impact Wrestling. Yeah, like this was say. yeah the, was, the the Briscoe brothers versus Williams and Smith match should have been the main event, and it should have had a little bit more time. And it's like I think it, that match was like. Uh, a little over was it around a little over 20 minutes and, and it's not like they didn't know that that finish was coming i mean he fucking booked it you like yeah. put it on right before the crockett cup finals straight up you tell me this wasn't up. a shoot i mean it's like yeah. i'm just saying i'm just saying like he, you know ahead of time it's just like don't do that and it was just uh ugh, I, I my guess is that um this was by design. I mean, not, I mean, obviously it was by, by design, but this was like uh, this was by design to make uh, Jeff Jarrett heal. I think that that's where they're going with that. He's probably secretly working with Cardona as the storyline. That's my guess, and uh, that'll be revealed down the line. That's why he fucking went for that. That uh, that's what it came off to from to me. But who gives a shit? Like I like Jeff Jarrett a lot. I loved his like dark gimmick that he was doing in fucking GCW. I hope to see him do more of that shit. And um, this was such a weird way to use Jeff Jarrett. This whole fucking thing was just a sh- was just shit. It was 
The only thing that was good was Tim Storm and the actual work that they actually did. They could have, they were working so well together, they could have just had a fucking match. Imagine that. A fucking NWA World Championship match. It would have been great. It would have been fine. It would have been a good match. Matt Cardona is getting better in the ring. This would have been good. Nick Aldis is awesome in the ring. This would have been good. You didn't need all this bullshit. Did Corgan really think this was going to get the wrestling world a buzz? No chance. Because if not, do not put this as your main event. Come on, man. I mean, it's we're talking about a promotion that is a shadow of a shadow of a shadow of its former self. Like, what would it take to get like a buzz here? That's I true. Mean, that's true. They, well, that well, is, they did get a buzz. They did get a buzz. Everybody started paying attention when Cardona became NW World Champion. And you know what? That's good for him. That's good. But it's somebody needs to reel that shit in a little bit. It's cool. Like he's a top heel. Like I said, they need to tone down the the the. The, why not uh, just have why not have him win the match at like the pay-per-view too yeah. because he had it well because like, uh i think he just picked it up on like an episode of like power or something i know it was at like their last big event actually i'm looking right now and it says oh, was it on power aired, aired on tape delay on power oh gotcha gotcha so Shit. yeah it's it, oh my god yeah they could have had that here and then everybody would have been talking about the crockett cup they had they had an opportunity to gain some momentum, and it is a shadow of of itself in its glory days, um, where it was the most most important promotion in the entire world. Like NWA was not limited to North America; it was mm-hmm. the governing body that you know Japan was just as much um, a part of their. I don't want to say territory, but I mean part of the story of NWA. Yeah, I mean, you know, Japan is just as much as part, maybe not just as much, but it's a huge part of the story of NWA. This was, you know, like you say, it, so this is a shadow of that, but it's not a shadow of it was 20 years ago when they were running in like Oklahoma with a couple guys that would get together at Daylight Donuts to, you know, talk about what the, what's going on with the company before Billy Corgan bought it because they have been getting some momentum and power was kind of cool before COVID kind of, put a damper on their momentum and everyone else's but it's it re- i felt it really sucked for them but man they really had a chance with this we were talking about it there were there was some you know a little bit of online buzz going this wasn't it man i will say Whoops. with all that said they are still even with all this shit in a better place than they were post impact and yeah. uh and you know that they are in that better place they have they still have a lot of potential there's still time to turn it around uh, they had a lot of buzz when they started power and stuff like that. This is just, um, they need to iron this shit out. This is another company that has a lot of potential that could, that needs a real booker. Like, just like GCW, just like all these indie shows. Like, they all think that they could just throw the fucking shows together by themselves. You need somebody that knows what the fuck they're doing. But yeah, that's, uh, that was, uh, NWA Crockett Cup. Uh, too bad. We, I was, I wish we could have watched the, the whole thing. It would we would have had more to say, but we just covered a few parts of it. Um, if it sounds interesting to you, then you can go back and watch it and stuff like that. Um, some, I'm sure some of the stuff was really good that you can enjoy. Uh, so that that's that show, and we're going to do some quick hits. We're also not watching every single part of New Japan. There's just too much New Japan Cup to watch, even though uh, some of it's been very, very good. And uh, we're going to go with Davey here to give us some quick hits from uh, what's been happening on the New Japan Cup. My goal was to catch up before this episode, but it proved to be impossible with watching, you know, Circle Six and trying to catch some of the Crockett Cup. 
watching AEW, and then life in general, right? But I did, with that said, I watched quite a bit of second round matches, including the undercard matches. So I'm going to start. <laughs> I'm going to start with, and I call, I'm calling them undercard matches because essentially that's what they are. They're in the bracket, but that's what they are. For instance, Dick Togo versus Goto. All right. Goto is kind of a dark horse uh, in New Japan. Would you guys agree? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. He's kind of a gatekeeper, though. He's got his yeah. role. That's true, but he can still bring intensity at times. And if you remember, as as recent as the 2019 G1, he had an impressive run, and he kind of cemented, like you said, a really solid kind of gatekeeper role mm-hmm. or final final boss before you go, you know, move onto the main event scene, right? Mm-hmm. Goto taps him out. It's an okay opener, right? This is back on the ninth, so this is second round stuff. Then we have Shima versus Katamaru. Um. That follows this. By the way, Wishima had started that Oriental Wrestling Entertainment. That when COVID hit, the government was like, yeah, you're shut down, basically, and for good. And so they were actually going to move operations to Cambodia. Hmm. Very strange. I don't, I don't, yeah, very strange. I don't think that anything has happened on that front, but just a quick update there. But. So this match gets off to a quick start, and the fans are actually into it. Uh, they can only show that by clapping, and that gets us to like kind of the elephant in the room with New Japan remains um, limited attendance and no cheering order in place. Would you guys agree with that? Yeah, yeah. and I kind of want to talk a little bit about that and how it affects like the general like vibe, especially that this cup gives. Where like mm-hmm. it's been hard to watch most of these like i mean you know good on you for doing it you're a lifesaver for the show uh in that regard but like everything just feels so monotonized when like the crowd is just they have to be kind of kept in this like really contained setting and so many of these matches just go so long you know it doesn't matter that like yeah most of these guys are good but there's so many of them where like the booking is just painfully predictable that it's really hard to like get through a lot of this stuff especially without that crowd giving you energy straight up and it's it a lot of these matches feel like bracket filler and if in such why expand to you know the 48 man tournament or was it 46 whatever it was why expand to that if you're if you're gonna have gato in there you know taking on yeah. the main eventer in the first like, round or that's the thing that's what i was saying like it's brilliant it's a brilliant idea on paper because you get to see everybody mixed up but we're also it's 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 now become a victim of a lack of quality in the matches that we expect from New Japan. And we yeah. and for every Ishii versus Shingo, which is match of the year candidate, uh, we get a fucking Master Wato versus fucking Tenzan. And it's just a no nothing. It's like it's just a no nothing happened in match. Well, that and match it, didn't literally it, happen. It, but I, I know I'm just giving an example, but it's... And it's nothing against Tenzan. Like, it's not a knock on them. Just, it's just not the quality that we really expect from the New Japan Cup. Like the New Japan Cup in past years has been super exciting. We yeah. watched it. We were glued to it. I expect it to get exciting towards the end. But man, so yes. far, it's been so fucking hard to watch and keep up with. Too much. Too fucking much. And now, I hope they learn Joey, a lesson ne- from this. You never got to wrestle in like Kurgan Hall or anything like that. But what, no. you know, what, what role do 
crowd reactions and and fan excitement play in in a match in terms of the way it, you think it might have affected your I mean, performance? It gives you a all. fuck. It gives you a fucking. It's it's a it's a huge difference. It gives you a spring in your step. You know what I mean? Like um, matches definitely su- suffer uh, without a crowd. Period. Even good matches. Even matches where people can work with no crowd and stuff like that. Like we remember um like the thatcher versus uh matt riddle matches that were fucking awesome but those would have been better with a crowd and a lot of times you have to play off the crowd because you want to know what they're liking what they're not liking you want to know when it's time for a hope spot you want to know when it's time for for a big hot comeback or something like that you want to know um what to do like do you need to keep selling here do you want people to fucking feel is are people feeling sorry is what you're doing working and it's really hard to work a match when you don't know what's working and what is. But at the same time, you also want that spring in your step. I mean, it's just like streaming. If you have fewer viewers, that can affect you mentally. And you might not have a very good stream or you might have a shitty attitude or something like that. It's it's tough. It's mentally fucking tough. And that could be some of the reason that we're seeing a lack of quality and stuff like that. I mean, you get guys like Ishii and Shingo again. They're, they're just on another level and they're going to have a great match no matter what. And you hear the crowd make noise even when they're trying, when they're not allowed to, and they're trying not to, and that's how you know that yes. they're how good they are. But man, like some of these other guys, you can tell it really gets to them, and they're doing their best, you know, to their credit. But holy shit, like it's it's really, really, really affecting the product to the point where we even see points where like Kevin Kelly's screaming at the top of his lungs and you can hear him echoing throughout the entire fucking arena. <laughs> these are big arenas. Yeah. Some of these are big fucking arenas too and you hear his ass yelling across the entire, like echoing throughout it. It's really, really weird. I, I know this will fucking pick up. I hope they don't ever do this again. I do hope that they integrate the juniors into the tournament again, but I hope they uh, don't make it 48 people. That's well, insane. through it a bit. Like, I don't need... Yeah. You know, we, don't, we don't need, you know, Dick Togo or, like, Doki or, like, we don't need people like that. Or even, like, Aaron Hanari. Like, I'm looking at, you know, the bracket and, like, he had a 25-minute match with Sonata. Are you kidding me? Well, yeah. I, I can see that. Like, I, I know that, that Hanari is, like, an under guy, but he's also one of their young lions that they want to do something with one day. And he's not quite there yet. I get that. But... I don't think that's a bad thing. I think that's a good experience for him. It's a good big match experience that he needs to grow. And that's kind of an investment in the future. So I'm okay with something like well, it's, that. It's fine if like this bracket was like half the size it was. That too. Even yeah. if it was just 32. Like I'm, I'm, I like tournaments. We talked about mm-hmm. that in the last episode. And I'm okay with that. And part of the reason we're having trouble uh, outside of what we just discussed is that we have other shit to watch. A lot yeah. of it, we're, we're watching a lot of wrestling from around the world and then, you know, we're doing other things too. But yeah, I mean, you drop it down to 32 and you, you get rid of some of the guys that nobody picked. And Kevin Kelly in commentary will even say he, he apparently there, there was some stats and online pickums from New Japan that they kept. And that might have just been the Japanese audience. And he'll say, only 3% have Doki getting past ZSJ here. You know, it's just like, well, yeah, no shit. Yeah, no shit. <laughs> and here's the thing, like, man, like, they they want us to do this, be invested in this big fucking tournament. It's just too much. Then they want us to be invested in the fucking Super Juniors tournament. Then they want us to be invested in the G1. Then they want us to be invested in the ta- World Tag League. There's so many big tournaments in New Japan and the bigger they get and the harder they are to watch, the less interest they're going to have from people. 
because they're just too hard to watch. Well, and and two, like I was thinking about the Super Juniors, like adding the juniors to this does not necessarily make me excited for that tournament. Outside of like, I know some of these people will put on good matches, but like outside of Hiromu, they have not treated any of the juniors particularly well in this tournament. They all lost in the first round they were in. Yeah, that's true. Uh, yeah, you're right. Like you've told me that like, yeah, like I don't really need to care about these people. These aren't the people that you're pushing. Yeah, I, think, I, I hate to say Ishimori that. Didn't yeah. Ishimori go over in the first round? It, yeah, I think he did. Yeah, but, but Phantasmo didn't. Ishimori, Taiji Ishimori. Yeah. No, Ishimori was just just had a buy. Oh, oh he, he had, had a buy. buy. Okay. okay. God damn, dude. Never yeah, what's mind. the? You have all these buys. It's so fucking unnecessary. Um, main event here. Is it safe to say that Shima's becoming a favorite in the tournament? Like a like a surprise favorite in the tournament? Yeah, but he's also it, been against like pretty kind of no name not i mean i wouldn't say no names but like people that are definitely lower on the hierarchy well he's got okada coming up yeah his he? next match is okada Ooh, so that could be that's good, good that's gonna be I, i'm excited about that yeah so there's an example of a, a cup match that that's exciting on paper yeah. so and mm. speaking of okada his next match the main event of this card of the ninth was okada versus master wato wato uh, overall it looked pretty weak He's working a really modern, soft-looking style. He's slapping thighs. He's um, not landing punches whatsoever. He looks like he's tapping him. Uh, he's falling short with kicks. Looks pretty rough, to be honest. He's Jesus got he's got, some, he's got some work to do. But you see a lot of you see a lot of the New Japan legends kind of working that style too. But you just don't want to see a, a guy who's just graduated from Young Lion into a gimmick. To, to be doing that this wasn't yeah, very he, good he went on excursion and everything god damn even okada really couldn't get a good match out of this but i that was also part of the story it wasn't going to be a good match it was <laughs> the story is that I mean? this guy sucks yeah the story is that okada is. Thinks you know he what sucks yeah it could be i've shit. seen new japan can do some of the do, does some booking like that i mean look at okada's first match in uh, uh coming back from excursion like uh when he wrestled yoshihashi they booked him like a dumbass he looked yeah. weird. They took fucking goofy pictures of him on purpose so he could like like uh surprise Tanahashi. Yeah. You know, that was the whole that was the whole story. Yeah. But there, that was so. a pretty quick turnaround on that story. Wado, that's been his case the entire time he's come back from excursion. That's true. He looks weird. Uh he's awkward, just nothing just nothing. Moving on to the tenth. Um there I ended up watching one of the multi-men matches because I knew there was going to be a Shingo Osprey exchange and it was awesome. It was only 30 or 40 seconds, but it's a great reminder of what we're going to be getting pretty soon in this tournament as well. Kaven Kojima is next. Man, I'm not sure anyone does a better looking moonsault, standing moonsault than Jeff Cobb. Like certainly no big man that I Jeff can Jeff Cobb's think of a freak of nature. Yeah. Okay, Kojita. So, dudes, take tradition out of the equation for a second when like a storied veteran puts over a new talent that's good for the future regardless of tradition but mm. when they only put over talent and never get any one-on-one wins does yeah. it become like a dog pile of sadness and i guess what i'm asking is like are we seeing them too often on the undercard in these fucking tournaments yeah you need like credibility 100%. well yeah. even like even outside of these tournaments we only see them in like multi-man matches to eat a pin yeah, and if they do get a pin, it's in a multi-man match. Um, Against someone else who they don't give a shit about. Yeah, it's pretty rare. So it it really is just like, I don't really understand it unless they're just like, well, we want to keep these guys on the on the payroll because we're indebted to them. That's all I can think of. But 
Cobb does as well as anyone to get us to believe that he's got like a five that Kojima has a five percent chance of winning. <laughs> he even gets he even gets vertical taking an apron DDT that he really didn't have to, but brought some excitement to the match that ultimately kind of got the crowd in a little bit. So that's a success. Crowd loves um, Kojima, man. They really do. Yeah, yeah. And then Kojima hits Cobb with a lariat and advances. I, I mean Cobb with the two of them. <laughs> yeah, I was like, whoa. Oh, and lariat. <laughs> okay. <laughs> The main event for this card, and I'm almost done with what I watched. Okay. So the main event for this card is Tana versus Bad Luck Fale. That's your main event. Tana overcomes with a roll-up again and advances. But here's the, here's the interesting thing about this match. is Tana's in the back for his post-match interview, and he's bawling. Like he's just won the match in a pretty you know lackluster match against Fale, and he's bawling. He's speaking Japanese, so I'm just like, what the? Why is he crying like this? It looks legit. I'm not saying he's not working, but he's doing an excellent job if he is. So right. I had to go over to New Japan's YouTube channels to get this YouTube channel, get the subtitles. And mm-hmm. he says that on his way to the back, a little girl ran up to him to get a handshake, but he had to tell her next time. He refers to all of us trying to get through COVID together. Okay. Mm-hmm. He then shakes off the tears and begins talking about focusing on the next round. And when he goes into this, like I'm thinking how fucking maudlin, right? But seconds later, because he's one of the best at this type of material, like I'm starting to feel emotional. Dude, he did that that famous promo where he talks about like, you know, he's talking about getting through the pandemic, and he says like he starts crying, yeah. and he's like he's like pro wrestling will always be here for you, and like yeah. dude, I fucking teared up. I was like, man, that was like the most powerful thing I've ever fucking seen. I do from a promo. Oh my yeah. god, he, he yeah, goes t- back to that well a little bit here. Yeah, Tana versus COVID has been like the biggest New Japan feud of the uh, past couple right. of years. <laughs> Last match in, um, that I saw, this is Doki versus ZSJ. And this match is a fucking overachiever for sure. All Zack Sabre Jr. needs is a warm body with points of articulation to have mm-hmm. a great match. <laughs> and there's really no one that approaches his style, at least in the kind of international spotlight at the moment. Is there anyone that comes close to that style, in your opinion, right now, that you can think of? Nobody. There's no one. Nobody. Yeah, no. I was like, Danielson's been a little bit more uh, holds-heavy ever since he got back like into wrestling and not sports entertainment. Uh, but definitely, it's it's not quite like ZSJ. I mean, they all like like that like fucking Billy Robinson fucking style. and um, But like, it's... ZSJ is just on another level with it and he's he's got like the fucking flexibility and stuff like that to just really contort it and he just knows every he seems like he knows everything like yeah his trash talk while doing it's always great too that too yeah he's just he's unreal like he's Mm -hmm. just fucking true he slaps into shit so fast and i'm looking forward to the rest of his matches in the cup you know he won it a few years ago yeah a couple years ago yeah. yeah so we did watch a few matches together we watched uh osprey and el phantasmo uh, yes. This was pretty good. Uh, the main story of the match, uh, I thought, was that uh, Phantasmo, uh, after he was found out about you know his hidden uh, what metal plate in his shoe for his sudden death super kick, uh, he's been like I guess really reluctant to go to using that move, and he has like I think like two or three times that it's set up, and he could hit it, but he doesn't go for it, and uh, Osprey immediately takes the offensive from him, and eventually Osprey wins with the hidden blade. What did you think was, of this, Joey? It was okay. I was really looking forward to this match. I expected it to be way better than this. I expected it to be Straight as up. good as good mm-hmm. as their junior heavyweight championship match that they had in America, and it was not as good, but it was it was all right. Um, man, I, I really like uh, El Phantasmo. He's my favorite up and comer. Period. But 
I expected it to be a lot better. I don't know what the fuck happened here, but it wasn't bad. It wasn't. Don't get me wrong. It wasn't bad. I just expected it to be just. This is the. This is the kind of match that should have gone twenty five minutes, if anything. Like maybe, yeah, maybe it went too short. Maybe that was the issue. I don't know, but yeah, I always felt like I like I feel like uh, El Fantasma is like the anti Osprey, like the fucking dark, like the dark version of Osprey or something like that. Even though Osprey is fucking heel and stuff right now, but um, mm-hmm. I think they're kind of destined to have like a fucking rivalry for years to come. Like they're always gonna cross paths and. Hopefully the next one's a lot better, but um, yeah, good match. Yeah. Glad to see Raw Osprey moving forward. I would love to see uh, uh, El Tasmo move forward in the heavyweight division. He needs to be there, and he could be he's he's he could be like the best up and comer going right now. He really could. Yeah, no, no one thought that Osprey was going to get stopped here or anything, but it dampened, the, you know, a potential great rivalry for sure a little bit but we'll mm-hmm. see yeah uh next up was another match that was kind of just okay but it did advance um probably the biggest story that we have going now which was tamatanga versus evil uh evil cheats as always you know the house torture comes out uh they eventually screw uh tama uh who was basically working this entire this entire match as a baby face which is if anyone's any familiar at all with his history is like kind of amazing and baffling hmm. uh but eventually uh, we get, you know, after House of Torture, they beat him up and they scatter once ELP and Ishimori come out to make a quote unquote save. Uh, but they're just there to trick him. Ishimori holds uh, Tama down. ELP hits the sudden death. Uh, Kevin Kelly starts like yelling during this. His, and I actually like when he does this. It's It feels more like that classic commentator fire that you often talk about missing, Joey. And you that's know, why you need, you need to hear Tim Storm in NWA then, because it's he does it right. It's Kevin Kelly does it okay, but he still sounds like kind of a nerd. It sounds weird, and sometimes he's doing the even best contri- he can. Sometimes even contrive, but you need to hear Tim Storm. He's awesome, and I, I'd much rather this over his kind of like soulless commentary mm-hmm. <laughs> that he gives for most matches. Uh, but yeah, so you know, after the match, uh, Bullet Club, everyone besides Jay White, who's not in Japan, comes out and just beats the shit out of Tama and Jado and yeah the G.O.D. is out of Bullet Club officially yeah they're drawing the lines here to show who's where maybe Tama's gonna end up with his own faction we don't have Taichi Japan or uh we don't not Taichi we don't have a uh, Taguchi Japan anymore you know like uh there's probably room for another a, a new faction in New Japan right now so maybe uh that's what where this is going I don't know yeah, uh, this was definitely the biggest angle cooked up maybe in the wrestling world all week and cert- certainly in New Japan for a, a short time. But, you know, it carries on what they were doing in Impact. So you see some cross-promotional stuff. And uh, again, they're putting Impact uh, on, uh, you know, matches that have consequential effects for New Japan on New Japan World right now. So you don't have to buy TNA pay-per-views or even watch their TV to get that stuff if you're a New Japan subscriber, which is cool. Who would want to watch their actual shows and pay for them? I don't, I don't know. There's people out there. <laughs> people out there. And they and they have some good stuff on there. Yeah. You know, we, mm-hmm. we talked about Alex Shelley and, and you know, uh, obviously Jay White is, is working there. So I think they're, 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 they suffer there. from they suffer from just some straight up branding like issues like they have. They have like they just have this scuffed 
reputation that no matter how good their product is, because there was a while where I was like, you know what, I'm going to try to look past all that and just watch their good product because they did have good product. They had good shit going, but there's just something about, and I know Davey said this before, and it's like a pretty much perfectly described it. There's just something about the flavor of it that just doesn't hit no matter how good it, it is in the ring, no matter how good the wrestlers are they use. Like, no matter what they do, there's just this flavor, that this bad taste in your mouth that you can't get out. And it's mm. just the damage has been done. And there's just and so much to watch nowadays, too, that, like, yeah. justifying cutting out that time. I mean, granted, like, I mean, some of the shows that we watch, I would be more than happy to sub out, like, an episode of Impact here and there in yeah. some cases. But, uh, you know, I'm not going to pretend everything we watch is a gem, but adding that well, on top yeah. of everything we watch is a lot. With hindsight, yeah, it's not making the cut. That's the way to put it. It's just not making the cut right now with everything going on. And that's with cutting out WWE. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, what did we did we team watch any other? Uh, yes, we did. Uh, this might be like I, I don't necessarily think it was a better match than Ishii versus Shingo, but I uh, I actually yes. liked it more just because it was so unique. Hiromu Takahashi versus Minoru Suzuki. About 99% of this match was chops. These guys just chopping each other. Suzuki uh, is like bleeding from the chest at points, uh, like pretty early actually. And then eventually uh, Hiromu has to like go deeper into his arsenal, goes for some forearm strikes and some drop kicks. And uh, he eventually just wins with a roll up. Uh, But this was just awesome. Like just seeing two guys just chop the shit out of each other was, it's really unique and just frankly it was just badass every fucking they they had to have done like hunt over a hundred chops like between the two of them right mm-hmm. like and they made every single one interesting and they sold it and it was a master class in how to fucking sell and making something mean something just by doing one thing and i love that new japan has like the creative freedom for them to do this kind of thing like i remember they had a um, tai chi versus uh Versus Kota Ibushi, and they literally kicked each other the whole match. Mm-hmm. That was Just, great. Yeah. Holy fuck. Yeah. Suzuki's face. Oh, my God. Keeps everything perfect here. The most entertaining thing about this match is Suzuki selling and reactions. His chest is bleeding. He's just unbelievable. Telling a story with every chop, given or taken. I loved it. it was, this was terrific. I didn't like it as much as Ishii Shingo, mm-hmm. but... You know, it's a matter of taste, but this was cool. And the and the cup needed a match like this to get us to get us talking and buzzing a little bit for sure. With mm-hmm. you know everything else we've talked about. Yeah. Um. Is that all we watched? Is that us caught up on New Japan? We're not caught up, but we're caught up with yeah, what we watched. We're caught up with what we watched. Yeah. <laughs> I'm looking at like I got Twitter up, and there's just this clip of ZSJ and uh and Osprey that looks like must watch. Just this clip alone is fucking insane. But I'm oh spoiled God. on I, this clip. So I won't spoil it for y'all, but holy fuck. <laughs> there so. some of the some of their past matches in Rev Pro and New Japan even have been some of my favorite matches of the last five years. So I'm really I'm really stoked to get to this and probably we'll just skip right to it. So that was almost that was that was a lot to talk about New Japan for us trying to get through it really fast. There's just so much going yeah. on there. Uh, but that brings us to uh, what we normally AEW. talk about, AEW, Dynamite, and Rampage. Yep, so Dynamite for March 16th. We open up with uh, Adam Cole and Red Dragon versus uh, what I'm just going to call Team Champs, uh, Hangman Adam Page and the Tag Team Champs, uh, Jurassic Express. Uh, this was, uh, you know, kind of, it's 
their traditional sort of fun multi-man tag match. Uh, I love the way Adam Cole always sells like clotheslines and lariats. Uh, just like it always looks like it just like flips him out. Uh, but eventually he wins um, hitting the boom or last shot, whatever you want to call it, onto Jungle Boy. So, I, I mean, he didn't pin Hangman here. And like the whole point was to prove that, you know, Hangman's win was a fluke. I don't know if this continues to set up like Red Dragon versus Jurassic Express. Wait, I thought what, he did. He didn't pin Hangman. I could have swore he pinned Hangman. It was Jungle Boy. Okay, that's weird because Jungle Boy has all those wins on him, and now they just went and they just had him get pinned in he a didn't have any, tag match. He didn't have any win on Adam Cole. On Adam Cole, I thought they did do that. They had like no? a long feud, but Adam Cole just kept beating him. Really? Yeah. Oh my god, that just shows how much I fucking don't care about this feud. That was a long time ago, though. Still, like, just Adam Cole in general just just absolutely does nothing for me. I don't know. I don't get it. I just don't get why I can't get excited about him at all. I'm with you. I can't either. I'm, I'm not sure why, because he's fine. Yeah. It's so weird. So I guess we can move on to the next match then. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we had uh, Wheeler Yuta and Chuck Taylor versus uh, John Moxley and Brian Danielson. Still have a name, a name for this uh, little uh, power trip faction, but uh, it was pretty cool. Uh, we had William Regal on commentary. Uh, he notably said that he did not really understand Dan Housen. Asked about the uh, mysterious waif or whatever he called him. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, and then... Uh, the match had like a callback to a match with uh, Chuck Taylor and Brian Danielson where he actually tapped him out with a single leg crab. Uh, Excalibur put it over on commentary, which is always nice that like it's something that he always does, which puts over like the history of wrestlers and whatnot. It's really nice as someone who might not be as familiar with it to like know like, oh, hey, I can look back and this is like something to like know that these people have history. I totally uh, understand like giving like the smarter fans like a throwback to it. But this was such an obscure indie match sure. that when Chuck Taylor went for it, he looked le- left and right with a big old smile. N- nobody fucking gave a fuck. He kept trying to put it over on Twitter earlier in the yeah. week, too. Then um, he's like, oh, I'm going to beat him with a single leg grab. But yeah, you're no, right. Yeah, just not enough people gave a like knew. Or, and maybe if they did, they would have gave a fuck. I certainly didn't give a fuck. Nobody, and even if we did give a fuck, nobody was going to buy that. That was fucking Brian Nielsen's Achilles heel as a fucking half crab because he lost to Chuck Taylor in a fucking indie match years ago. That was just, this didn't do anything for me. Um, I love Brian Danielson. I fucking think he's fantastic. I like John Moxley. I, I don't, I, again, just we say this every week, I don't care for the two big singles guys getting thrown together in a tag team running over real tag teams. Fuck this. I well, this it. isn't really a tag team. This is just two guys that are in the same faction that have never teamed before in any meaningful yeah. capacity. And it's setting up, it's setting up, you know, maybe something with Will or Yuta if you go on. Uh, yeah, yeah, so still. Yeah, to like get to the finish, uh, like Yuta kind of like fires up a bit after Danielson kicks him and like, it's sort of like kind of having that toughening up phase and Regal like puts it over on commentary that he really likes it. Uh, but eventually Mox gets him in a bulldog choke to win. Regal comes to the rings and as the best friends leave, Yuta walks back to the ring and extends his hand to Regal and Regal just slaps him. Yeah, this was cool. Uh, it it kind of reminds me of like the Antonio Inoki slaps, like yeah, uh, the respect, yeah, the slaps point, of yeah. respect, you know? That's well, then he cool. like fired up and like kind of like glared at him too, and Regal seemed really into it. And Regal's just like, "Get the fuck out of here!" <laughs> and, he, and he walks out. And yeah. he leaves. I guess there's so the something seeds there. Seeds been planted. 
Yeah, yeah I, sure. I maybe they can make Wheeler Yuta look cool. He kind of looks like a dork right now. I don't know if that's because he's associated with the uh, best friends, which I like the best friends just fine. Don't get me wrong. But he just kind of looks like the Yoshihashi of mm-hmm. uh, AEW. Mm-hmm. Well, and they explicitly, like Danielson explicitly mentioned him in a promo back mm-hmm. when they were starting this group too. Like this whole program was like, yeah, like we could take Wheeler Yuta from these clowns, like these complete yeah. jokes that he's with. Yeah. So we'll see. I mean, it, again, I don't care for the the two singles guys being thrown together. I, don't, I still don't dig it. it. Still hasn't sold me yet that this is any thing better than them just being singles wrestlers. All right. Next up, we had FTR with Tony Schiavone backstage. Uh, they, he asks why did they fire Tully. They said that he lost focus, which is funny because that's what he accused them of. Uh, then the Bucks interrupt. Nick <laughs> Nick Jackson is dressed like a leprechaun. Uh, was hilarious and basically they just kind of you know reignited the feud a little bit said that you know we're the best tag team you guys think you are and yeah so i mean that'll be great i mean these two are fantastic teams uh their first match was awesome and i'd love to see the rematch eventually yeah and they've been teasing that they're that bret hart is coming in um, yeah that's the word yeah. and that seems to be the tease that he's going to manage them in some capacity or do something with them yeah, FTR Young Bucks is a money feud, and uh, I think they saw that there's still a spark there whenever they had the um, the face-off in the Battle Royals. So, uh, yeah, I think, knew, I'm glad yeah. to see this building. I'm glad to see it. Like, they're sprinkling it, because obviously, I guess the focus is they might end up doing the uh, Red Dragon versus Young Bucks stuff first. Yeah, and you knew we were going to circle back to this. For sure, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I thought it would, be much, it would have been much sooner, but um, it's good to see it at all so then uh we had an acclaim promo platinum max versus keith lee on rampage team taz interrupts ricky tells them that they need to put keith down and they need to stick together against these people coming in from other places uh so you know the, the xwwe mainly nxt guys then swerve scott speaking of former WWE guys interrupts ricky uh so it seems to be that's sort of the uh direction that we're going uh, and we'll see more of that when we talk about rampage then we had the Jericho Appreciation Society commencement. Now, Joe, yeah. you kind of buried this name last week. Uh, what did you think? Did I? Yeah, yeah, you did. You said you hated I, this name. I mean, so did you said that you hated this name? I thought I don't remember what I said about it last week. I said it was I, corny. I said that I said that like there's probably a good reason for it, and I there's that since there there's oh that's the only way that they would have came up with a name so stupid and I kind of buried it, but I also didn't like write it off and with good reason they, they it's supposed to be cheesy. It's supposed to, you're supposed to hate it. I think that's a smart heel thing to do. Honestly, they're not trying to be a cool faction. They're trying to be a hated faction and they drove that home in this promo. This promo was brilliant. Yeah, this was great. Everybody involved was perfect. Um, Matt Lee starts off by telling the crowd that they should be grateful to Jericho so that they can sing along to Judas. Um, then Jericho basically just kind of like to explains his motives here. He says that the roster, the fans, and even the inner circle just didn't appreciate him. Hence the name. Um, and that the rest of the rest roster is just pro wrestlers, but he is a sports entertainer. Yeah. Huge heat for sports entertainer. Dan- uh, Daniel Garcia cuts him off. This guy, you know, he seems to be more of like that professional wrestler mold. And, you know, he teases dissension. Then he says that if Jericho is a sports entertainer, so is he. More booze. Uh, 
Then I think he said that Garcia is more horrifying than anything Edgar Allan Poe came up with, said that 2.0 will now be going by their real names. And I quote, Daddy Magic Matt uh, Menard (laughs) and Cool Hand Angelo Parker. Cool Hand Ange. Cool Hand Ange Angelo Parker. (laughs) Brilliant. That was so funny. What's funny is like they're great names and they kind of remind me of more like ECW names than they do WWE names. If it was a if it was really like a WWE style name, it would just be one word. It would be one yeah. name. <laughs> it would just be Ange or Angelo or something like that. And uh, this was this was brilliant. It seems like, and people are kind of accusing him of this, and I kind of agree that he's ripping off um, what Matt Cardona has been doing a little bit. Uh, Matt Cardona, like I said earlier, is kind of shitting the bed with it right now by continuing to be a chicken shit, and um, but he's still kind of doing it and. Jericho's kind of taking it and making it his own on a bigger platform. It's weird, but it's still brilliant. It, this was really well. This is really well done. Yeah, that's you essentially stole my thunder there. That's exactly oh, sorry. what I was going to say. No, it's, <laughs> it's fine. You know, great minds and all that. But other than the main event, which will no, we're we're not even going to talk about the main event, right, guys? We're just going to skip that. Oh yeah, fuck um, that. <laughs> kidding. No, but yeah. Other than the main event, this was this was the most entertaining part of this. Um, of this yeah. broadcast i think mm. good shit uh i'm excited to see where they're going with this i imagine they're going to add at least one more member and uh that's my guess and yeah they can get they can get a swerve and a turn out of somebody and do something mm-hmm. with that yeah but maybe not actually swerve i love the heat that oh, they're yeah, getting true. with like uh like um daniel garcia doing you know going along with it him being a guy that kind of took that seems like he takes pro wrestling really serious, and uh, that was that he's the perfect person to fucking do that with. That's that that's heat right there. Yeah, good shit, good shit. Well, and Jericho also kind of like explained his connection to the people. Like he donated money when Garcia was in a car mm-hmm. accident, and mentioned that 2.0 was kind of brought in by. Um, he says he took credit for it because uh, his friend Kevin, Kevin Owens. Uh, told him that they should hire him and he helped bring them in i guess um, and that's that's legit too i saw yeah. like um i remember kevin owens talking about how good these guys are mm-hmm. and he was like oh these guys are in nxt they're called ever rise or something and yeah. he was like uh he was talking about how great they were and he's like one day people are gonna see how fucking great they are he's like one day and nxt just were never really using them and they were there for years and so, like that fit, like that's that's probably straight mm-hmm. up legit. He's like, "Hey, man, can you put them on your fucking podcast so people can know them and stuff like that?" That's probably a hundred percent shoot right there. Yeah. Next up, we had a quick deep promo on Sheeta, uh, following up the last one that they had a week ago, and she basically said she's going to end her career if she keeps going after. Her. Then that takes us to Wardlow over Scorpio Sky for the TNT title match, and boy, have we called this for weeks. Oh yeah, just Wardlow getting screwed. Wardlow's over as fuck. Did the Powerbomb yeah. Symphony? Everybody's Dan really Lambert came into out with it. the other TNT title, which was yeah. a point that we criticized last week. Was that it would have been nice to see that exchange here? But I liked him having the belt, just wearing it. Like, yeah, it just made him look kind of dorky and whatnot. But I loved it. Well, he's cutting promos too. Is that he's co TNT champion? Yeah, with yeah, that was on Sky. Rampage. But he said yeah. that he's the co TNT champion with him, uh, or I think Scorpion might have said that about him. Uh, another quick note from that promo, since we don't, since you know we already brought it up, uh, he said that Paige Van Zant made history uh, by signing with AEW, and not just because uh, when she signed it on uh, Ty Conti's ass that it was the first contract to contract an STD. You know, edgy, edgy material from Lambert. 
this was the right choice. This was the right call. The, the match was pretty good. Um, they progressed the story. We knew this was going to happen. Scorpio Sky is 100% the guy that needs to have the TNT title. He's a good in-ring wrestler. And um, I don't know if he's got anything. Like I don't think know if he's got the star power that like a Wardlow could have. But he's definitely a good workhorse, and that's the kind of te- that's the kind of championship the TNT Championship is. And uh, he's the guy that, that that we're gonna see having great matches week after week with that with that belt. So uh, that was the right call. This was the right call all around, all around right call. Yeah, um, yeah. Well, you it could, puts heat on him too, could, which was needed. You could see this angle coming from outer space with the naked eye, <laughs> mm-hmm. but that's fine. I mean, that just means that they. Maybe they built it in too obvious a way. I don't know, but this was the only thing that could have happened. Right. I wonder. I mean, it's, you know, it's they more had of a problem. Go, real quick, it's more of a problem when you have something that's predictable and you do like deliberately don't do it, even if it makes all the sense in the world to do it. It's more of a problem. True. When you're just like, yeah, fuck that. We're just going to be unpredictable. We do. Yeah, and we've that. complained about that kind of stuff before. Like, what the fuck? They're building this, and then nothing happens. But that's usually when nothing happens, and this was what you knew was going to happen. I wonder if they go into the powerbomb symphony a little too early in these matches. Um, I know I, I disagreed with something you said a while back about in the CM Punk Wardlow match when you said when Wardlow got rolled up, it made um, it made him look like a geek. But he Wardlow beat CM Punk handily in that match, or like it's, it was sold that a little more than a squash. Like he got into the powerbomb symphony mm-hmm. quick and had yeah. a beat. And obviously the only reason he didn't get the pin is because MJF stopped him, but he had a beat beat. So I thought the roll up is a way to protect. But how know, do you, but the reason why it looked weak is because of how he got into it. Like he'd been dominant the whole match. And then all of a sudden he's just like, Whoa, when he looks a hundred percent fresh and gets caught by the fucking roll up, uh, man, the sneak roll up when like, you're not paying attention. I mean, that's, oof. isn't that over in wrestling, whether or not we like it or not, isn't that, isn't yeah, that precedent I still, for that? I still don't have to like it. Fuck that. So <laughs> they, I feel like they could have done anything else here, but yeah, I mean, I thought they made Warlow look like a fucking monster in that match. I didn't I mean, think they it did, made him look like did, a geek at up, all. It made him look up like until, the fucking world champion. They did up until the end. And then I think the biggest hurdle for Wardlow now is just like how comfortable he looks outside of like the actual matches because I think he's doing a really good job inside the ring. But there's some things that look really awkward and stuff to me that really stand out. Like when, 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 like when MJF fucking, he does a lot of staring. He does a lot of staring and like weird shit like that. Like, like MJF slapped mm-hmm. him in the face. He stared at MJF. Right, didn't do shit about it. When um, they did that stuff on the outside, and then Paige Van Zant and her husband started fucking making out in front of him. He just stared and like just looked really weird. He it went to, so he went for a power weird. bomb on the guy. He went for the power bomb on the guy, but like for a second he just stared. Like there was a parts where he just stares. Like if you go back and watch, I'm telling you, go back and just look at how much he stares at shit that's happening to him. That's not hey, some people have to pay for OnlyFans to see that. He got it for yeah. free. Okay, but <laughs> it's it's weird. He just stands around like it's weird. It's so weird. Um, yeah, and I and I think they're the way these matches play out. He's pretty well protected. And I, we mentioned last week the guys that he's better than. Not and we damned him with faint praise. He didn't really have to sell too much in this match either. So we're we're still a little ways away from seeing what he's really got, and it's looks like it's going to be. And I think you're right, Joe. I think he's going to have a match with Sean Spears first. When he eventually gets to MJF, that's going to be a litmus, I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Even though I expect a lot of shtick. 
We're all looking forward to it, though, I think, right? Ish. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. I think that I think it's the crowd's going to be so hot when he hits like the power bomb, uh, power bomb on MJF. <clears throat> oh, yeah. Oh, my God. True. Yeah, True. they need to they need to milk that for sure. Absolutely. Hit him with a thousand power bombs. Just <laughs> mm-hmm. as many as he can deliver. All right. Next up, we had a Jade backstage segment. She's 30 and 0, doesn't have a challenger right now, and that's that. Then cool. we have Private Party versus the Hardy Boys. Or I guess they're not the boys, they're just the Hardys now. When okay. you hit a certain age, you can't really be called boys anymore. So, Well, I think that WWE owns the actual Hardy Boys name. Mm. With maybe. a Z. Hardy Boys with a yeah, Z. Yeah, Hardy Boys. So. <laughs> um... I really thought that they were going to make this into like an actual feud and help elevate uh, Private Party. It doesn't seem that way. Uh, Jack off motion. I don't care about Jeff Hardy. Whatever. Yeah. Same. It's weird. They, they put, they put, they put uh, Darby Allen and Sting with them. Now they're all running together. It's so weird. A guy with a fucking bunch of real life DUIs driving drunk, uh, teaming with Darby who became straight edge because the, the, uh, the trauma that he suffered from his uh, uncle dying from a drunk driver. So super weird to me. Uh, whatever. And I said if this was WWE, that would 100% be the angle that Jeff would be the driver. It might be. Uh, Tony has a little bit more taste than that, I think. But uh... I would let. Uh, I don't know. I just, <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> I, I mean, kind of like I just I, I would love to see fucking Jeff Hardy called out for that shit. I, I that people just look past it for some reason and I hate it. So whatever. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, I mean, I know you, you don't like Jeff Hardy. I thought this match was pretty good for what it was. Um, Hardy, uh, uh, Matt Hardy went for a razor's edge. Uh, the crowd really popped for that. Obviously, this was like right following uh, Scott Hall's death. But Isaiah escaped from it. Um, and I thought this was pretty good for what it was. Um, there was one weird thing. And a lot of people in like the Jeff Hardy mold do this. And I don't like it. He went for a frog splash for a two count and like. Commentary was even like, oh, I was going to go for a swanton. I don't get when you're like someone who goes for the top rope moves a lot. If mm-hmm. one is your finisher and, you know, in theory ends matches and kayfabe and stuff like that. Why would you ever go for a different move? Yeah, it's kind of like uh, seeing like JBL doing just like a normal lariat or clothesline. Yeah. Instead of just hitting the lariat, you know, <laughs> so. Yeah, and even some people I like more, like like Malachi kind of does it. Like, he does a lot of kicks, and some of them look eerily similar to his finish. But they're not, and I just, I wish wrestlers would do less of that. Mm-hmm. I can see that. Uh, next up, uh, we're not going to talk about the main event, so never mind. Right. Um, <laughs> in all seriousness, week. yeah, in all seriousness, uh, Britt Baker versus Funderosa cage match for the AEW Women's title. Uh, this is the, uh, you know, probably not the last time we'll see these two together, but this is kind of, you know, the climax of this big feud that's been going on for uh, a full, pretty much a full, over a, a year at this point. This is basically the anniversary of their infamous uh, Lights Out match. Uh, they both have really nice, well, Britt's entrance is like kind of the same, but she's wearing Scott Hall gear, which was cool. And Rosa has like this Mexican band introducing her. And she's dressed basically like a matador and has like her whole face painted. Uh, one quick note I'll say uh, before we get into like the match itself. JR had a line on commentary that we just buried the entire match when we were watching this. Oh my god. He said that these two have come a long way from playing with Barbie dolls. Unbelievable. It was such a weird fucking comment and so 
just it's tone deaf. One hundred straight up, dude. It's like <laughs> come a long way from helping mommy with the chores and baking pie in the easy bake oven. <laughs> yeah. God. Like, I mean, what if you were to say that during like a men's match? Like, come a long way from playing of Hot Wheels. Like, yeah, you would never expect him to say that, but of course, it's like, up. oh, it's just so. It was so annoying. But the match a long awesome. way from yeah. from putting for putting Lisa Frank stickers on their binder at school <laughs> and tying bows, <laughs> tying bows. Yeah, man, uh, you're right. Tone deaf like, is the right term for it, Joey. They come yeah. a long way from being barefoot and pregnant in the kitchen making food for their husband. Just like, sh- holy fucking shit, man, dude! Like, what yeah. the hell was that? Look at him now. Yeah, I don't know, yeah. man. Mute button, Jr. <laughs> um, uh, this rule, yeah, this match rule, yeah, like really good. it was fucking awesome. It was, was brutal. Hot. Crowd was red hot. She's, everybody she's in was her hometown or, or her, her adopted hometown. Everybody's so was so ready to see Thunder Rosa win the match. Um, we see her win the title for the very first time. Good shit. Like, what else can you say about it? You need people need to go and watch this match. It was. Fucking wonderful. Something I'll remember for a long time for sure. And they did a lot of cool and kind of inventive spots. I liked the ref mm-hmm. bump. Like, uh, I think like Rosa just dodged a super kick and uh, Britt just hits the ref like right in the face. And then mm-hmm. uh, Rosa accidentally like shoves Britt into him and then basically gets her down for like a million account after mm-hmm. a fire uh, thunder driver. And then eventually Aubrey comes which out. Was, which looked great. There was, that there was a lot of awesome. There was a lot of money shots on in this fucking oh, yeah. match too. Like there was a, a money shot where you saw the ref just looking just straight dead and on like in between the cage and the ring, <laughs> yeah. just on the ground, face down. Just incredible shot. There was an incredible shot at the end when Rose is firing up. They did like a like just a close up of her. Like you could see her through the cage. It just looked the, fucking yeah. amazing. Crimson mask on oh. over the paint. She's bleeding over the paint. Yeah. yeah, through the cage. It was. I wanted somebody to get a screen cap of that so bad. It was epic. It, it was, was the, some of the best. It's just, that's just the best. You know, that's a cut of, from the wrestling's best cloth. Mm-hmm. So good. They there was a. Um, Go ahead, man. They didn't hold back anything either. Like from the get go, you had Thunder Rosa grinding uh, Britt Baker's face across the the uh, the cage like a cheese grater. Like there was just no. They didn't. They did. They pulled out all the stops. They did not like. They did not go in there lightly. They took the match very seriously, and it was just it was awesome. Yeah, Good Baker night. builds a house of chairs, and they tease some spots on the top rope. Baker ends up taking. Um, was a power bomb onto it? Is that what essentially it turned out to be? And then she just, she just no, she, back? she just knocked her back and she fell onto the chairs. Yeah, she, she was her she back. was going yeah. for like a Spanish fly, and then Rosette mm-hmm. right. shoves her off. Shoves her off. She hits the. It couldn't have been a safer landing. She hits flush on top of the chair, and then the whole pyramid just kind of tips over very slowly. And on one hand, it's like you. <laughs> You want to see like a crazy spot. On the other hand, it's like, wow, that was really fucking pro. Like, she, yeah, you know, because if she hits the lip of the backrest or something of those that chair, that's gonna, who knows what that does? Then the then the chairs crumble and it looks disgusting. We might have popped louder for that, but this was super it was, pro. It was like it was it was safe, but that doesn't mean it didn't look good. It looked great. It, it was like a, great. Yeah, she landed, sure. hit the. There was an impact when she hit the chairs, and there was an impact when she fucking fell back and hit the mat. 
Uh, the, some of the chairs toppled over. It was a good visual. I'd like, to see most... her, I'd like to see her do it again. That's yeah. safe. Because this that was, was just yeah. like... This was a far cry from seeing Chris Jericho fall off the cage into a fucking mattress. So... <laughs> Like, like Onto this a was crash a pad, this yeah. was like the right kind of safe, and it was good, good shit. Absolutely, man. Thumbtacks come out. We see some yeah. spots there, um, kind of callbacks to their lights out match or unsanctioned match. And uh, what happens? They're they're well, they they're like selling the shit out of these tacks, and then fucking. There's no reason for Ref Aubrey to have done this. And it's really kind of annoying that she went and jumped into the tax and fucking hit the mat as hard as she could where the tax were. And she got tax all on her arm, but she didn't sell it at all. And I actually asked, she somebody brought this up on Reddit and she actually has an account on Reddit. And I actually responded to her. I was like, hey, did you, did the camera just not catch you selling this? I just needed to know. Like, did, like before I fucking say that you didn't sell it, like, did, did the camera catch you selling it or just not catch you selling it? Did you sell it? She's like, she responded and she goes, well, I winced and stuff, but the camera didn't really catch it. So you have these women that are taking these sick bumps in the tax and going, ah, I'm fucking writhing around, rolling around, all sorts of shit, just big fucking sells. And then you have the ref who, like, if you look, if you go back and look, there's a big fucking space where there's zero tax and she could have seen the shoulders down. She could have made the count and it would have been fine. But like, but you have the rep go in there and she's hitting the freaking tax all like almost on purpose, like to get put her, get herself over. And I, I didn't like, I hated that. I just, I did not like that. Listen, I think, Joey, I think Aubrey, I think Aubrey's an excellent ref, but she should have, if she was going to do that, at least sell the fucking thing. At listen, least fucking sell it. Then like, you have to like listen. slow count. At least, listen, no, do the count, guys, then fucking listen. sell. Fall down, hold your arm, do something. Listen, guys, she <laughs> has come a long way since playing with Barbie dolls. Do you think some fucking thumbtacks are going to fucking slow her Jesus down? Jesus Christ. <laughs> I hated that, but oh, I don't know. People were kind of, uh, were, uh, I, 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 people were, they were, they criticized her about that, and I would imagine she probably knows that she what she did was wrong but that's what i would think she seems like a smart person and stuff but holy crap it was just uh i just had to know i had to know it, i didn't think like of that that she's trying to get herself over because dude she dived into those thumbtacks with full conviction yeah like she wanted up. to get in on this shit yeah <laughs> not your spot it really i know that's unpopular because she's like a very popular ref and like i said i'm a fan i think she's a great ref i really do so what but you're telling her joe is that she that, needs to like you know understand her role <laughs> <laughs> no, I didn't say that at all. Like, just I just kidding. said like, if, if like, how does that make the fucking wrestlers look if the referee's not no, selling? Up. Yeah, I, and I've I've seen other refs do that too, and it's really weak. You're right. It's cringe. It's yeah, so cringe. Yeah. It's like they're trying to get themselves over. It's so I weird. Mean, I think to some extent, like at least the tax they weren't. I wouldn't say they weren't selling the tax, but like the tax were more so there to like enhance the power of other moves. Was kind but of the way they were used. They they were, but they did sell the tax. So yeah. they didn't sell them like like maybe like so blatant in a traditional way, and I think that the way they did sell them was actually better. But when they yeah. took bumps in the tr in the tax, they sold it, and they did before, and they mm -hmm. did now. And did you that notice that she um, posted a post match pic on Twitter of the tax damage? Yeah, to what you see a lot of wrestlers yeah. doing. Yeah, but you, yeah, she posted it. She's trying to get her. That's what I saw. Yeah, she, that's why. Like I put like that's why I asked her on Reddit. Like. She she posted that on Reddit. I don't know if she posted it or somebody else did, but she actually responded. Like her handles like girl girl Hebner or something like that on Reddit. And uh, 
Yeah, and I, I straight up asked her. I, I got a screen cap of it just in case nobody fucking believed me. But she was like, oh, yeah, I winced a little bit, but the camera didn't catch it. I'm like, come on. Like, that's not enough, right? <laughs> so what happens here? What happens? How does this match end? Uh, Rosa um, bites Brit when she goes for the lockjaw. Uh, she smacks her other hand into the tax. Uh, she sells that, and then she eventually power bombs her into That was the great. That was mm-hmm. great. She starts smashing uh, her hand into the tax. That was fucking. Oh, awesome. it was yeah. so good. Yeah, yeah. It does her a uh, thunder driver uh, into the tax as well? Uh, she gets really emotional when she wins this. Dustin comes out and hugs her. Uh, this was this was just great. This was a great feel good feel moment, good great match. I hate the anyone kid- who was. Uh, I was gonna say real quick. Anyone who was like skeptical after their pay per view match, uh, you know, like we said, it, it was pretty obvious then that like the placement. This is yeah the placement and. I think this was great that like this and they is... had a San Antonio show coming up and that they, yeah. they essentially built. For they this, did the right thing. Yeah, they did. Yeah. They they did this right. And any kind of like weird booking to get to this point, like was washed away by justified. the it payoff. Justified. Yeah, yeah, the, pay, the yeah. payoff was great. And, you know, it's funny. And I hate to keep going back to this, but the, the fact that one of the climax spots was her fucking smashing, uh, smashing her hands into the fucking tax. Um, <laughs> but then the fucking referee comes and does the same thing and doesn't sell it. God damn it. Well, it's just, and it's, it's the exact same bump. She's just determined exact, to do her job. It's the know? exact same fucking action. <laughs> it takes down the fucking, yeah. like, it takes down the world champ. <laughs> but the ref was fine doing it. The exact same motion. Oh, God, I hated it. But yeah, the, well, but other finish, than that. Yeah, this finish was awesome. She's, other than that, great. She's emotional in the ring, which I think was legit. So yeah. good. She's This is a huge stage. I was, I was, my heart was full, like you said, when, when Eddie beats Jericho. Yeah. This is, you know, again, cut from wrestling's best, best cloth. Mm-hmm. We care about who's going to win. I thought for a second that they may not do this. You know, it should seem obvious. Or in San Antonio, they built to this. It should seem obvious. But the way the match played out, it wasn't credit to them. Mm-hmm. The way they told the story, I loved it. I loved the ending. You know, I felt fulfilled for once. <laughs> Lately, it doesn't seem like that's happened. Well, you know, it's happened it, the last pay-per-view and a couple of new, new Japan Cup matches, but not often enough. I didn't feel like I'm walking out of the fun house feeling like I wanted my dime back or that's it. Right. You know, yeah. the top tier pros, some top tier pros, they made us believe and care about what was happening and Absolutely. we were invested. We had some new people in our watch party that really liked the match and stuff and uh that was really cool. Some first timers watching wrestling, and that was like that's a testament to them for hooking people that yeah um, never really watched wrestling before, and uh, that's cool. Awesome. Looking forward to her and those those big title matches too. It's gonna be cool going oh, yeah. forward. Also, so that's always a great feeling. Um, guys, want to talk about Rampage? Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Let's move on. That's so. That's, uh, Yep, um, Rampage, March 19th. We start with Darby Allen versus The Butcher. Man. Man, have I slept on this guy. This match was awesome. Uh, Davey, how about you take us through this? You saw this match a, a little bit before we did, actually. Yeah, if, so uh, go ahead, Joey. Let me fucking say, like, I've been saying this for a fucking long-ass time, that The Butcher and The Blade have all the potential to be booked as just a badass tag team that are just hired guns that just like the fucking APA or some shit. And they can be used like that and they would be believable like that. And I, we've never really see them like come see that come to fruition, but 
here we did. So I'll let Davey go now. So, yeah, you know, so AEW is, you know, because they only do quarterly pay-per-views, right? They put big matches on TV and they they build those and kind of kind of um sell them as pay-per-view quality or level matches, right? Big time, big time attractions. But what this was was it was guys with you know, Butcher's kind of on the periphery of this feud with Andrade. whatever, yeah, Andrade family office and uh, the Hardy brothers, boys, Hardys, whatever. So there's really not a lot of um, direct booking going to this. So I would classify this as um, a TV match. You would say, oh yeah, it was a TV match. If you look back on this and say, oh, remember that TV match they had? That would be justifiable. But man, this is how you do a fucking TV match. Butcher essentially is working like an all Japan uh, like Gaijin Hill from the 90s or late 80s, like a faster Stan Hansen. If you just saw this match, you'd think he was a bigger star in the roster than Brody King probably um, if you had just tuned in. And, man, I think he's. I think he might be better than Brody King. I, I think know. so. Honestly, he might be. I mean, like, I don't know. It's It's hard to say, but if you saw like Darby is a draw right they're opening the show with this you know they want to hold on to hold on to ratings and stuff like that if Darby was not in this match and you had guys working the quality that Butcher was working right here you would retain you would retain viewers whether they had a draw in the match or not straight up yeah Yeah. someone that's coming into this cold flipping the channels or Mm -hmm. this came on right after NCAA basketball so if you got someone that had just you know finished a tournament game and didn't hate wrestling and kept this on this would definitely uh, get their attention. Straight up. B- Butcher is working stiff. We know Darby can take it. Darby hits him with one of those just bullet fucking topes, mm-hmm. smashes, smashes uh, Butcher out of the way and still smashes the wall. Like, un- uh, just unbelievable. Butcher, there's a, a cameraman ringside getting some action shots and Butcher uh, smashes Darby into the like face first yeah. into the camera. That was a really cool spot. They do some great shit outside with some swings. Like Dar- uh, Butcher swings Darby into the, uh, uh, the steps. steps. It, it just fucking incredible. This is like a like I said, this is a TV match. I was popping for this. I'm happy for Butcher that he finally gets somewhat of a spotlight. Who knows though? You know, I've seen guys um, really catch fire before in AEW, and then they're just not in the plans, and you know, you don't really see them get too much of a chance. So. Yeah, if we'll if, the, what, we'll if, if you're a booker, if you're a booker and you see something like this and you don't fucking make plans, like god damn it, make plans. Straight up, man. If you're a booker, then you're not a very good booker. Like if you can't see like something like right here in your face and like it doesn't fit in with your plans, fucking fit them in. And we're getting an eight man match with these guys next week, so So, let's do let's I'm, I'm stoked. I hope we see more showcase. And I want to and I know the blade is good too, and we need to see yeah. him fucking showcase like that too cuz he can do it too. I guarantee it. I've seen him before. And uh, I've seen him before in other companies and stuff, and um, he can do it. So, yeah, and these guys. To, yeah, I want to talk really quick about the finish here. Uh, so, the eventually Darby gets the butcher down and hits him with a coffin drop from the top rope onto the outside, and he wins mm-hmm. by count out, which is just something you don't really see a whole lot. And I thought that was just really cool and unique, and it kind of put over that you know, like I think it put because usually like a count out win sort of protects the person who like receives it sure well what was good about it is that it was so chaotic like the the match was such had such a perfect pace that when they did the count out 
it was you get a you, you popped like it almost mm-hmm. came out it almost came out of nowhere even though it's a fucking yeah. 10 count like testament it, testament to how good this match was and how fucking invested you are and you're like oh fuck he fucking won oh my god like holy shit like mm-hmm. that was it came it was it was this was this is how you do a count out it was perfect perfect fucking match exemplary uh next up we had layla hirsch versus red velvet uh, continuing like layla's feud with velvet and chris statlander uh, this was actually pretty good um i think layla looked maybe the best i've seen her in. every move she hit was crisp looking and brutal um she has like 90 percent of the offense for this match and then as she goes for her turnbuckle hook uh statlander comes out steals it and red velvet uh rolls her up to win and seems like this feud's continuing and i thought it was you know pretty good tv match i not as good as the previous one but it's no secret that i'm a big fan of uh of of uh of layla hirsch and still this is the best match i've seen her in in at all like this is the this is the this is both of their best matches i was Mm -hmm. actually very surprised by the chemistry that they had um especially with not seeing red velvet have a match this good before and uh, i was very surprised by this match very happy with it big fan of layla hirsch okay so you're at home watching a movie you just finished watching wrestling something like that and you get hungry so you pull out your food delivery app and you get a sandwich or something and 45 minutes later there's a knock on your door and you go to answer the door and it's legit layla and you're like oh shit legit layla what are you doing she's like yeah, I'm saving for an Audi. You know, we only work once or twice a week, so I'm just picking this up, trying to get that car, you know. <laughs> she gives you a sandwich and she says, hey, so you're a fan. And, and you're like, oh, yeah. And she cuts you off and says, hey, uh, mind if I use your bathroom? <laughs> and so you're like, uh, sure, yeah. So she goes to the bathroom and she's gone five, ten minutes and she comes back carrying your toilet handle and she says, hey, this broke off. <laughs> so, yeah, what do you do? <laughs> Uh, fix it. I don't know. I, like, I, don't know to, I have no idea how to answer that question. What am I? What am I going to be mad at her? Like, like I wouldn't be mad at anyone at that point. This took a journey. <laughs> okay. Uh, what happens after this match? How does this match end? Uh, so the handles break off. It, yeah. So yeah, this is a, like Statlander uh, distraction, and Velvet rolls her up to win. Uh, we then have a backstage promo for QT Marshall. Says that he's proud of Hook and that he's going to give him a QT Marshall certificate of achievement next week. Uh, sounds like a good excuse for Hook to kick his ass again. Yeah, maybe it's yeah. A, it's like a big double cross, but it seems like the way they book Hook, he's not going to fall for it. So I can't wait. Hook Hook content is exciting, legitimately sure dis- exciting. So yeah, awesome. Uh, next up, we had a pretty random match: the House of Black versus. Fuego del Sol and Bear Country. Uh, Fuego feels kind of like the odd man out here, but Taz uh, notably says that he is a cub. Uh, for those familiar with that particular culture, uh, Ricky I've immediately been t- yeah. laughs. I've, I've, that's clearly like what this gimmick is. Like, there's no way they didn't know, you know, what's going on. The dudes have that look. I don't know anything about them personally, but that's clearly what this gimmick is. And when he yeah when he calls fuego del sol their cub that's 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 not what i expect to see when i turn on pro wrestling but there it is man it's 2020 (laughs) it's 2022 and it's entertaining yeah we had the effie and aj gray a couple weeks ago right oh that's true yeah that's true (laughs) 
Uh, well, this um, is a little bit more niche than that, man. This was this was cool. Uh, House of Black looked fucking uh, like stars here. Their fucking moves were insane. The crowd was going insane for this shit. They can like kind of do no wrong. Although uh, I do have to make one nitpick. I really hated how they ignored the rules. And they're just in the ring the entire time. Uh, the ref well, at a certain point, they kind of they buried they they did, but they buried the fuck out of the ref. And I know that's like at least the way I was taught. That's a huge no no is to bury the ref. And they did that big time. And if you go, I don't know if you can go back and watch, but they're they're the ref is like, come on, get out of the ring, get out of the ring, and he's like. It looks like he's begging them to get out of the ring, <laughs> and and they're just not they're not looking at him. He they're was just like co- slowly counting to like yeah, and he was like, guys, please get back out, please please get it out of the ring, and like he kept it up for a long time, which to his credit he should have been, but they buried the ref bad, and I don't I don't like I get that they're trying to do their cool little pose and they're trying to do all their moves and everything. But I feel like they could have gotten the same feeling across without having to do things like that and breaking the rules and stuff. The rules are there for a reason, and they're there to tell, help tell the story. And um, yeah, I, I, that's a big stories that's they don't a give a fuck. That's a yeah, and they should get disqualified for it. So that's the thing is it's it just I want to see things make sense. Is all. That's all. That's all I want. I like them. They're great. Don't get me wrong. They're fantastic. But. Uh, you know, looking for logic and exactly. pro wrestling in 2022, you're going to have some sleepless nights, my man. <laughs> I know. I mean, it's not always like that. I mean, like it was like a far cry from watching, um, you know, the Briscoes actually follow the rules and stuff like that, you know, and yeah. they're a modern style tag team that do cool shit. So mm-hmm. there's no reason that House of Black can't do it. And ooh, yeah, that's, that, that stuff just really bothers me. What's the point of the ref at this point? Uh, next up, we had a Penta El Obscuro and Alex Aberhante's promo. Uh, they just kind of like, you know, they thank the House of Black for making them uh, change for the better. They're all spooky now. They live in darkness. Uh, I-, I personally like Alex Aberhante's like kind of like corny horror themed role of him, you know, dressed like a I do too. or something like I he, think. It's yeah. Great. Yeah. He looks like an old like UHF horror movie host. It looks yeah. great. And you know, the Mexican like horror I- iconic uh iconic damn it. Iconography. Fucking iconography. Jesus. <laughs> it you know, it's it's very gothic. It's obviously a, a very uh, Catholic centric society. Mm-hmm. And um oh, man, I just I love Mexican horror movies and imagery and it goes, you know, right down to Pinta's gimmick really. But mm-hmm. yeah, you're right, man. I, this they look cool as shit. I like this. I think that there's they that maybe Alex Abrahantes can tone it down just a little bit without doing the fucking whole cloak and everything. You could still no, have ham you it could, up. No, you could still have the fucking makeup. You could still look fucking evil, whatever you want. But wear like a suit or something. Like look like a uh, the, the the hood and the druid thing. It's a little too much for me. Nah, you lose two out, three, two out of three. Two out of three votes yeah. approved. You lose, <laughs> Monster Pop approved. you lose this argument. That's okay. Fair enough. But that's just that's my opinion. Is all. <laughs> Uh, then we had uh, the main event, Max Caster versus Keith Lee. Uh, during the Mark Henry little backstage interview, uh, Max Caster tells Lee to go back to the Renaissance Fair. And then he talks like uh, King Henry <laughs> the, the 14th or whatever, or 8th. Yeah. Um, 
Lee says that he should call him a king. Kind of the weird Keith Lee promo. It's probably the best one he's done on Dynamite, but it's still really fucking weird. Uh, the acclaimed rap largely is very uh, Texas focused for the most part. They said that uh, they're going to have Keith Lee running like Ted Cruz in a snowstorm. So good. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, they were going to have him sending videos from bed like Pete Davidson. <sighs> so... I guess they they were they were like Texas centric because a they were in Texas and b um, Keith Lee's from Texas, but I don't know why they ha- they're having Keith Lee work this long with people. Uh, we said we talked about this in the past that he should be squashing so they can get him over uh, more and just doing wild ass shit. And this this is another example of what they should have been doing. Um, not that I don't like Max Max Caster, I like their gimmick, I like their fucking, I like those guys, but. Like Keith Lee should be running over people right now. You're probably right, but I will say this is the best I've seen Max Caster look in the ring. And and you yeah. said before, like he's so awesome when he's freestyling or whatever, mm-hmm. coming down doing his rap and with his gear on. But as soon as he takes off the chain and gets in the ring, he kind of looks like your dorky brother. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's that was diminished here. I, I you're probably right. Probably should have been a quicker match, but you know they put it in the main event, and this is the best I've seen Caster look, you know, for better or worse, in the, in the spot that yeah. it, or that it was. I can agree. Uh, I can agree with I, that. I I was gonna say too because uh, it, it started out in this match. There was an earlier call that I'll talk about as well, but I love Jericho on commentary uh, tonight or on Rampage. Uh, this is the best he's been in a while, but he's because he's putting over the whole sports entertainer thing. So like earlier when you get the Andrade family office confronting. Uh, Darby Sting and uh, the Hardys, uh, they back up. They back off, and he's like, "Yeah, back off. No, don't fight. That's what being a sports entertainer is all about." <laughs> yeah, he's working it into his time yeah. on the mic. Yeah, and yeah. then uh, during this, because uh, Ricky's whole thing is like with his feud with Keith Lee, right? Is that you know, obviously he doesn't like the guy either, but the part of it is that he's like, "Oh, you know, these older people coming in and you know taking the young guys' spots." And Jericho says, yeah, yeah, bury the young guys. That's a true sports entertainer. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that was a good line. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't really have a ton to say about this match. I mean, like you said, I think this is probably Max Caster's best match. Um, I do kind of agree that Keith Lee should. I don't know. Like, I mean, you don't want to, like, just put him against nothing but jobbers. I get that. And, like, they Why the fuck not? Per- Why the fuck not? Why, it's, well, that runs its he's, course. No, you're right, but not yet. And he, it's, he's new, and you can ha- you can do that for a while, and they're kind of wasting that opportunity t- to be able to do that. But like, dude, like, and this is something that like like WWE is actually pretty good about is they get with those big guys that they get, they'll fucking run through jobbers for months. Think about they weren't I, with him to be fair. I, I you're right, but the, the, like look at how they did Braun Strowman in the beginning. How long was he fucking beating jobbers? Even when they can use that that kind of tool to get somebody like Ryback over, because there was a point where those guys were over. I'm not saying they were any good, but the way they presented them was the right way. And like, how exciting was Braun Strowman at that time? How exciting was I remember was them Ry- interjecting him right into like you know Wyatt family feud? Yeah, he's no, no, no. He's a weird example. No, he is. It is a weird example. But once he was on his own, that's what they did. And then they were presenting him as a singles guy and he was running over people. Then he was wrestling two people at once. Like that's like it was that's that's how you fucking integrate a guy like this. You're right. It does run its course. But before it runs its course, you got to do it. So why not do it for a fucking six weeks? 
you know there's no reason why keith lee like you won't get tired of his cool moves in six weeks you know you see him fucking fuck somebody up do the beal do the fucking big crazy move and like there's no reason he needs to be having competitive matches with wrestlers right now when when he had such a hot start you know Everybody, like, it felt so wrong, even though it was J.D. Drake. It felt so wrong for him to have that long competitive match just immediately after he had that squash match where everybody was fucking going nuts about him. So, I don't know. I think they're missing, yeah, that's fair. They're missing the boat here. It hasn't totally run its course. I mean, there, there's a cutoff point. Um, yeah, I mean, I agree. I think this just went too long. It, not, it, went, it, didn't, it, it went way too long. He should, and I'm not saying that it should have been Max Caster, and it doesn't have to be a jobber. But like, think about how exciting the House of Black match was against those three, like jobbing those guys out, versus this match where it should have been Keith Lee jobbing another guy out, and they could have fit one more match in between there, instead of having this long ass main event. They could have fit one. They could have featured one more fucking group of wrestlers, maybe a promo. They could have had. They could have used this time in such a, a more like uh, valuable way than having Keith Lee just look weak uh, as compared to where he was when he first came in. So I don't know. I think that there was value in doing that still. And I think there's still time to correct that ship. I don't think they will, but there's still time. Fair enough, man. That wraps up, uh, that wraps up rampage. Yep. So um, do we have any questions this week? Uh, I found one. Okay. All right, so uh, the person asks that we because we've complained about like the cruiserweight division before and whatnot, and so they asked if the New Japan, uh, the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Division, is really any different from the cruiserweight division in WWE. Well, it's no, it's not. Uh, number number one, it's 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 very much the same. I think it's 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 presented more uh, prestigious, but that's also like just the way New Japan books. I think that separate divisions are kind of a thing of the past. I think that impact did it right. And they're actually not very praised about this, but like the X division where it was any wrestler that can work that style should be able to challenge in that division. That's why we had an X division champion in Samoa Joe. And uh, we've had big X division champions. It's just, it's just because when you have a guy that's small that's in a, under a weight limit that can do cool stuff. But then you have the guy in the main event who's a heavyweight doing the exact same stuff just because that's the style nowadays. Like why watch the fucking cruiserweights? Why watch the small division? So why not just have these cool matches with literally anybody that can work the style? I guarantee you that the wrestlers will have more fun because there'll be wrestlers that will want to work in that division that will have a good time. And then there will be like, you'll have more, you'll have fresher matchups because you can integrate the smaller guys with the bigger guys. And you don't have to wait years for them to play out their little stories and things like that. So in both, in both regards to new Japan and America, I think they should get rid of that completely. I, I, you know, you convinced me, but I will say that the booking does make a big difference and mm-hmm. where the cruiser weight title is buried on the card or not featured on television at all sometimes um new japan does have a tradition and history with the you know junior title and they put in big spots and i feel like whoever is the champion at any given time is important mm-hmm. I, where i don't feel that in wwe so i will give them that and you are right though with the style the 
Cruz, the you know the old junior style being integrated into wrestling at large, mm-hmm. it does seem like you know just making a size differential is kind of a weird line to draw, especially because some of the guys that move up to the quote unquote heavyweight division are still that size. Um, ZSJ, mm-hmm. for instance, you know, uh, we're, we're talking we're talking weight. Osprey for a while, although he's put on a little mm-hmm. weight. Um, so yeah, um, you know, Shingo was wrestling in the junior division when he came into New Japan. Don't forget. Um, I don't know. So you're probably right, but I will say at least it seems to matter and be important in New Japan, and I think that makes a lot of difference. And if you know, I'm okay with it going forward. Well, and what I would add to for New Japan that I like at least is that people actually graduate from the division. In some level, sometimes, right? like a lot of, some, a lot sometimes, of, yeah, not not always, but at least you have like you know you have like your Kenny Omegas, you have your Ospreys, you have your ZSJs and stuff like that. Where yeah, they move from one division to the other. Whereas, I mean, I'm look like at least as far as the cruiserweight championship that they've had since uh, I think what 2016 in uh, WWE, not the one that they inherited from wcw because obviously you had like you know your ray mysterios and your eddie guerreros who held that title that you know moved on to bigger and better things but like i'm looking at the list of former champs uh in wwe and like none of these people have ever done anything meaningful within the context of wwe after this like Mm. i mean you have some good names here right you have neville or pack um as he goes by now but like he that was that was his ceiling in wwe right was getting this title they didn't do anything with him after that uh cedric alexander buddy murphy they like made them like tag team guys but they were never pushed as like featured people they never felt like they mattered beyond like a really minor role in like wwe like doing the division and and making a show called 205 live like why would you point (laughs) out the fucking weight limit why don't you? Yeah. Well, you might as well call it short guy show or just some fucking. They market like, tested it, Joey. It sounded yeah. cool. Little dick, little dick division, or just some, something that makes fun of the, like something that people can't help. Like it's insane. The cruiserweight classic was awesome, as we mentioned last week. Yeah, it really you was. Had hopes that that was going to elevate that title. You forgot what company was at the helm, um, and that's why you know one of the well, was a million fresh reasons title, of our intelligence being insulted. And good taste being thwarted, uh, you know, that we don't really pay attention to that product. Yeah, uh, exactly. <laughs> Just God damn it. Yeah, it, it's it's behind the times. And, you know, we were talking about earlier about like uh, there's too many um, long tournaments in New Japan and they're just it's hard to follow if they're if they really want to uh, to reach out to the shorter attention span of the Americans and. Uh, and, and and reach out to this market they need to like tone it down a little bit and getting rid of the junior division and integrating more into like everybody can can be in the mix you're going to have a uh you're going to have an easier product to follow and that also solves the problem of having too many long tournaments that are separated and you got to keep track of who's where and who's you know what's what and uh there's it would fix a lot of problems i think in in wrestling Straight up. Yeah. I mean, th- imagine if we never had Rey Mysterio in the main event just because he was a 205 Live guy, you mm-hmm. know? And uh, and at that point, they, I mean, of course, that's WWE and they, they, they did that, but there's guys that are small that can work that. Imagine if there was a division like that in AEW and we didn't have Darby Allen teaming with Sting doing cool shit or like Darby Allen wrestling for world championships and stuff like that. 
you know, Darby Allen would be under that fucking flag and he'd be held down like by that stupid division. It, it, it has it has no place in modern wrestling at all. It needs to go away. And all New right. Japan already has so many like titles anyways. Like, do you oh really God, need... Yeah. Like, you well, at least they, at least weight, they, yeah, at weight. least they, you know, um, merge the, the intercontinental championship. Yeah. You, you could, know. you, you could, you and could. That was apparently controversial. You could, you like, like make the never open weight championship like the, uh, like their X division top title and you could fucking maybe unify the junior heavyweight championship with the never open weight championship. And then you have that chance. Then you're just, you have that you have that division right there when you could do it just like that. And I know the never open weight sh- uh, championship is like their lower tier stuff, but you could absolutely elevate it by unifying it and then treating it like its own real division. Um, that's more featured than it is now with new belt, new design, things like that. Like it would be totally fine. I think, I think you could easily get that over. Also is, is this a controversial take of you guys make like, and this is like a separate belt altogether, but like there's six man belt. Can yeah. they make that matter a little bit more? Well, I mean, that's that's the nev- that's that's the never open weight six man championship. So it's it's still the never open weight division right there. So it'd be sure, part but of, like it'd be part any of any num- any three guys can win it. Yeah, you're you're right. Um, you know who did it good? Um, World class. You know they had their they had a th- the six man championship, but they it was like a trophy that you win. Mm-hmm. And uh, they you know obviously the Von Erich spent a lot of time. The Freebirds carried it and stuff like that. Um, but there is absolutely a way that you can book that to mean something for sure. Guys. All right. Real quick before we go. Mm -hmm. Has the ultimate swerve in professional wrestling ever been pulled off? And, or are we in the middle of it right now with Cody Rhodes? What percentage chance do you think that this is going to be the great pro wrestling swindle? Well, I saw on I saw that somebody was like Cody Rhodes backstage at Raw right now. Well, Raw is over. Did he show up? I don't know, Doc. Do you have anything on that? No, I don't he think didn't. so. <laughs> I mean, we pro- yeah, I I feel like a like a carrier pigeon or or something would have come by and let me know if he showed up on Raw. Yeah, it, it hasn't happened. Yeah, and Mm-mm. I mean, maybe it's a hot what are we take. a week a week out from fucking WrestleMania? One well, one Two of the weeks? one of. One of yeah. the reports is that he's going to show up cold on WrestleMania to wrestle God, Seth. That'd be nuts. A, a Rhodes family member, and I can't remember what her relation is, tweeted last night or the day before that, oh my God, you guys are going to be so blown away by what's coming and our daddy would be so proud or, or Dusty would be so proud. I can't remember if she said daddy um, because I don't I can't remember if it's his daughter or not. It's probably um, not. And, Was and it so Dakota? I don't, I don't, I legit don't remember. I'd have to find the tweet, but you know, people are speculating it's a work. I knew it. I knew it's a work. I don't know. I don't think that it is. I still think he's just going and and maybe he would be proud that, you know, Cody's showing up at WrestleMania cold with a big bag of money. Yeah. I I I mean, that's what it is. Like, you know, like I've seen a, um, Chris Van Vliet posted a clip from his interview with Cody and Cody talks about how, um, the Rose are, have always been the redhead stepchild when it comes to uh, when it comes to WWE, and they actually really just hate them. <laughs> and uh, so he doesn't know. Like, uh, it's a pretty good little clip. And but then again, toward I mean, Dusty was working there toward the end of his life. 
Yeah, you're right. And he said he said that he mentioned he mentioned that, too. And he goes, he said um, he said my dad went there and he did really well. He got over and uh, they did end up taking care of him. But that doesn't mean that they liked him, you know, and sure. uh, it was it was a pretty interesting little tidbit from the from the interview and stuff. And um, I don't know, man, I, I, I really do think that like Cody was, you know, he made that tease he's like we're gonna do something that we've ne- that's never been done before get ready everybody i think that whatever that's really ha- pretentious i just have to say maybe it is i mean who knows maybe it ha- maybe he's right and and really like think about like all the fucking news and how people can't stop talking about it and stuff like that like is it that pretentious or is he right I mean, yeah the thing about it's gotten know, cold in my opinion the great swerve when it finally happens and i don't think this is it is going to involve storyline on TV, the dirt sheets, social media and the fans, comments going years back, um, lying and burning bridges to different promotions, uh, or promotions somehow building bridges between each other that you didn't think was ever possible in a million years. Yeah, something happening in the fucking background. That's what's going to eventually happen. I I think it'll happen in our lifetimes, and I don't Mm -hmm. know if this is it. I just... by all reports it's not but man that would be fucking cool yeah it would be cool i mean who knows how well they'd be able to work together but oof, man this is uh yeah it's exciting this it's it's been in we keep saying it like it's 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 an exciting time to be a wrestling fan and it has been for a minute now and the the times are Mm -hmm. are are still rolling and it's still exciting so straight up man so uh, yeah all right. Well, hey, well, guys, that was our show. Uh, thanks for tuning in and and listening. We hope you enjoyed it. Make sure you send your questions uh, to us uh, either via email, monsterpoppod at gmail.com or with the hashtag on Twitter, AskMonsterPop. Uh, we're going to be doing, man, we got uh, one more episode and then we got uh, our WrestleMania weekend coverage or week coverage. So expect just some insane <laughs> content uh, during that time, if you are going to WrestleMania in Dallas or going to attend anything in WrestleMania weekend in Dallas, you see us hanging out, walking around, uh, come say hi. We'd love to meet people. Um, we're going to be out there hanging out. We're going to have uh, live coverage. We're going to be updating our social media with um, with videos and stories on Instagram and videos on Twitter and all sorts of shit. Uh, we got a lot of stuff coming your way, and we're very, very, very excited. Uh, we also, I guess we can put this tease out there, but we have a an interview coming up. Uh, this will be our first legit interview with somebody in the business. Uh, we can't say who yet, but it's coming, and these are things that we're going to want to be doing uh, more often, and we're excited. This was that big announcement we were talking about on Twitter uh, that we can't really talk about yet, but it's coming, and we're excited about that, so keep an eye, eye your eyes peeled for that. And thank you all for listening. Uh, may your week be full of monster pops. It's it's about to boil over. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> See you later, guys. Adios. <laughs>